Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Phil Drysdale Show. I am excited for today's podcast. We're going to talk to Jay Baker, who is um, someone that has been deconstructing for a long time. He's the son of a televangelist, a, a very famous and controversial televangelist as well, Jim Baker. You may have heard of him. Um, he has been going on his own journey for a long time now. He's even come to the place where he's um, running his own church. And so um, he has got a remarkably interesting story. He also comes from things um, from a very non-dualistic perspective. His unique journey causes him to look at things um, from a very broad, nuanced angle. And, and part of that allows him to look at deconstruction and critique its extremism, its fundamentalism, and its dualism. And so we go into that in a great deal in this conversation. I really enjoy that. I appreciate that from Jay. Um, it, it's a great conversation. I think you're going to like it. I do encourage you, if you can find yourself to being extreme or quite fundamental about your deconstruction, you might find it quite hard, some of his pushback. But I encourage you, um, sit with it dig into it, keep going. Um, I really encourage you to do that. It's, it's really good to do. We don't do it enough on this podcast. I'm constantly trying to find people that are able to do that and willing to do that. Um, but yeah, I really hope you enjoy it. Um, as always, check out the deconstructionnetwork.com if you are going through deconstruction and you want to try and find other people in your local area. It's a free resource that helps you find people that are deconstructing locally. Um, and if you want to support what I'm doing, I do all of this for free, um, but it is a full-time job. And so I live entirely off of donations. Um, so you can do that over at patreon.com slash phildrysdale or phildrysdale.com slash partner. Either one allows you to give as little as $5 a month and that helps me um, do everything I'm doing for free. Um, as a thank you, you get access to a private discussion group. There's uh, monthly Zoom calls. We're having one this Sunday, actually, so you'll be able to join us for that if you want to. We're having a Christmas party, and we're just going to hang out and have fun. Um, it'd be great to see you in there. There's never any obligation to give, and so please don't feel that. We've all done that for long enough in the church, right? We, we've all been there, done that with the, the obligation and the pressure to give and all of that crap, and that's why I do what I do for free is to try and um, just escape that whole system and, and let people know that they can grow, they can find a safe place to be, um, and there's never any obligation and no one's here trying to swindle you at your money. Um, and so, yeah, I appreciate every one of you. I appreciate your attention. I appreciate your presence here. I love connecting with you and hearing your stories over on Instagram. Always want to connect with you over there. So please send me messages, DM me, whatever you need, whatever you've got questions or you need someone to talk to. I really love doing that. Never feel you're imposing yourself on me. All right, that's all for now. Enough of a preamble, but I just wanted to get all that out there while it was on my heart. Um, this is Jay Baker. Awesome. Well, let's dive into it, man. I'm, I'm excited to have you on. Um, I'm excited to get to know you properly. Uh, I've been on a podcast that you were doing, um, but we haven't really got to know each other much. I'd love to know more about your journey. I, I know that um, you've got quite a, a fascinating journey yourself in your process of grappling with God and, and you know, grappling with your faith. And so, yeah. Yeah. Let, let, let's dive in. I mean, if, if you want to, do you want to give like a kind of overview of, of maybe like who you are, what you're about, and, and then we can kind of maybe jump back and forward and sure. bounce around? Sure. You want me to do that now or do you want to ask? Yeah, me go for it. We, let's do it. No, that, was, that was me asking as good as I'll ask. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, well. Don't expect high mean, production value from me, Jay. <laughs> okay. Wasn't sure how you guys edit this stuff up or you edit up this stuff. I don't know. Um, I'm, uh, well, my name is Jay Baker, uh, son of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, who were televangelists in the United States in the 1980s. Probably the biggest, um, definitely had the biggest scandal 
in the eighties. Um, but I grew up famous preacher son and mostly in front of the camera until the scandal in 1987, when my parents had a big scandal and everything fell apart much later, my dad went to prison, um, jump way a few more years ahead of time. Um, I started a church with some friends of mine called revolution. And we originally started that because we felt that there wasn't a place for punk rock and hippie kids to go to church. And so we started it in an old bar. Um, but it was very evangelical when we began. And, uh, but I've been doing that now for 26 years. I've offered, I've authored three books. Um, my theology is always in change, always shifting. Um, it, it's, it's never quite ever arrives as, as right. far as I've found. So do you have that awkward um, thing where if you read through the three books, you can kind of like slowly see like how by the third book, you wouldn't even like the first book sort of thing. <laughs> Not quite yeah, that bad. I mean, but... almost, I, I mean it, yeah, no, I mean, the first book is if I could redo it, I would definitely edit out some stuff. Even the second book, there's some stuff that I mm. would probably pull out, especially in the f- first part of it. But, um, my third book I'm pretty happy with, but cool. when I, it's just always, you know, I mean, that's the great yeah. thing about writing is, you know, you kind of also as a time and place and it's weird to see what that book means to um, particular, which one means particular things to particular people. Cause you can kind of almost yeah. tell where they're at when they're like, Oh, you know, like if they read my first book, I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, they're don't get they're too still, close. <laughs> yeah yeah so i've always like it's always like i found a blog you wrote and i love it and i'm like dude that blog is like 11 years old you are gonna hate me run <laughs> like, yeah yeah <laughs> that's funny awesome so, so you've done a bit of authoring so what is that something you're still working on are you still putting out books or is that something you did a while back or um it's probably been about 10 years since my last book um i have a couple ideas for books mm. um but, you know, I, the past few years, I went through a really tough divorce, um, had kids, and now we have COVID. Um, so I would like, there's about two or three more books I'd like to work on in the in the near future. So mm. we'll see. Right. You know, it's just, yeah. you know, they're not handing out book contracts right now. So. Yeah. Yeah. Life is, is different right now. That's for sure. It's a bit crazy yeah. and different. So, I mean, what... I'm fascinated. You you grew up in uh, like the definition of like Christianity on the big stage. You know, I mean, like televangelist kid. Like you were probably exposed to anything and everything and all sorts of ins and outs of what it was like to grow up in the Christian world. You know, I mean, I speak to a lot of pastors' kids on here, but it's a whole nother level when your pastor kid is like big. You know, everyone knows them. It's not just yeah, like oh, yeah. the, this town knows them or whatever. What was that like for you? Uh. Well, growing up, it was all I knew until I was, you know, 11 years old. And actually Mm. those years of the scandal, which probably lasted into the early nineties, you know, my parents were on the news on the cover of every gossip magazine, Saturday night live skits, you know, I mean, the world was, was there, you know, Um, I'm, I'm grateful that there wasn't um, social media, to be honest with you, but, um, but they did their best to make up for it. Because uh, it was everywhere, but yeah, it was it was really strange. It was it was living under uh, a microscope, and I, you know, and the trauma that I went through at eleven, and then again at thirteen when my father went to prison. Um, you know, my mind and, and soul were not ready to go through, 
you know, mm. so it definitely shaped and shifted who I would become and, you know, who I am now. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was surreal. I mean, I had to have bodyguards, you know, I mean, wow. I had to have, you know, people there to protect me and, and, you know, it was, uh, you know, and then, and then the scandal, we lose everything. And then I'm kind of in, you know, in school with no, no protection, no bodyguards, no one <laughs> yeah. looking out for me, you know? So all of a sudden, you know, the, my teachers don't work for my parents now, you know, it was like, it was a different world, you know, it was, right. it was a, a completely different world. And, um, wow. it was a huge, huge shift for me, but yeah. I mean, maybe that's why shifts are a little bit easier for me in my theology now days because of that you know mm. yeah i do wonder that sometimes of like certain people seem to cope better with changing their theology their worldviews their psychological kind of outlook and i do wonder what what causes that is it a personality type thing is it your social construct growing up and things like that? it's interesting yeah. to think about stuff like that because yeah you know it really that's is a, a lot to be going through um as i mean it's a lot to go through as an adult Right. I mean, like, I'm sure yeah. like just going through as your parents or whatever was probably enough. <laughs> but as a kid who understands things so much less and like has just not really, I mean, you don't have a fully developed brain, never mind a fully developed kind of understanding yeah. of the world. If any of us have and that my, one, I mean, that's crazy. And my sister was a teenager. And so she experienced uh, it completely different than I did. You know what I mean? It's, it's really mm, strange yeah. to see kind of, you know, how my dad survived it, how my mom had survived it, how I did and how my sister did. I mean, it definitely impacted us all differently. Wow. Yeah. So were you, I mean, you grew what was your education like? Was it a very kind of like education within a kind of Christian bubble? Like were you homeschooled well, as you're traveling no, I, and stuff? Or? My parents had um, a school, Christian school. I mean, right. Heritage USA and the PTL television network were, were two things. And Heritage USA was like this place where they had hotels and a water park and television studios and private school. And so I attended that private school right. until I was 11 years old. And it was a Christian school. It was, uh, it was an, I think they called it ACE. It was the, 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 the Christian curriculum and, okay. um, or PACE maybe, but yeah, they, um, so it was a Christian it was a lot of things. It was a lot of the same stuff that people do at homeschool, right? You know, but it was in a school setting, so we had dividers, yeah, yeah. you know, in between each student and everything. It was wow. really bizarre. The, yeah, the last year they changed it to another curriculum, and then all of a sudden the dividers were gone, and you were sitting in a regular classroom. So it was really, um, yeah, my education was really screwy, you know, because then when my parents went through everything, my education wasn't the priority. Mm. And uh, I, I tried going to a Christian school after my parents' scandal. And, you know, I mean, it was like the teachers were just had an opinion about who my parents were, you know, right. good or bad, you know, yep. and that was reflective on how they treated me. Mm. And I was, I was very, I was a hurt kid going through a lot. So yeah, my education really suffered through that. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's, I get, I, so I'm a pastor's kid, so I get it what it's like for like people in your local community to either love you or hate you because they know yeah. the pastor, they've got an opinion about Christianity or whatever. But it gets, it, in some senses, that's easier just as people outside of Christianity judging the pastor's kid or the Christian or whatever. Like there's a very clear divide there. And also in some ways, people outside the church are nicer. Yes, <laughs> so that's yes, terrible. Yes. But like, Christians are mean. And so like, you know, I've come across people that are like, Ooh, Oh, that Benny Hinn or that, you know, as soon as it's a big person, that Bill Johnson, that Benny Hinn, that whatever your celebrity Christian is, people have an opinion. I mean, some of them absolutely love them, but 
you well, may and, and that's true. I mean, them. it's it, and and it can be disturbing both sides. You know, there's some mm. people, you know, who just think my lineage is pure. You know, can yeah. do no wrong, which is kind of weird, and and not healthy. And then there's, you know, my my Christian school I was in the year after we moved was a Baptist, and we were Assemblies of God, wow. and the Assemblies of God and Baptists disagree on a few things like speaking in tongues and eternal salvation, free will, predestination. And so, you know, there, you could feel that you could feel that vibe. And now that my parents had failed, it was kind of like, yeah, see these AGers got what they deserved. So yeah, Christians were probably the worst people through all that. You know, they were really, really harsh them. And, and a lot of probably super liberal people in the media, who thought they were doing a world a favor by tearing my family apart, you know? Mm. Um, so scapegoating is something that I don't feel comfortable with to this day. Like I do not scape, mm-hmm. I don't scapegoat any group, you know, because I know what it feels like to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. I get that for sure. Like it fascinates me. I mean, again, like people like pastors, kids, you, you kind of live in a bit of a bubble but I guess a lot of them end up getting schooled outside of the Christian bubble or something like that. And it kind of suddenly exposes them to something. And you see a lot of, um, a lot of pushback. I mean, I guess that's just classic kind of kids growing up start to rebel against their family, but it feels yeah. like there's not much room for rebelling against your family, or at least being exposed to ways to rebel against your family. If you're yeah. growing up in this bubble, I mean, you're, you're the Christian schools like basically run by your parents i mean like there is where do you go to rebel against your parents almost like yeah. did, did you feel like content in that world like and no, it, was there no, kind of I, a big I, pushback at some point i didn't really feel content um because i had a learning disorder i have dyslexia i have severe dyslexia so if you notice okay. in my books all the books i've written will say with someone because i always do it with other people and i always I never use a ghost writer with me because I want people who have dyslexia to know that they can write books too. Mm. I think it's extremely important. Like you can work with people and sometimes come out with a better product than if you did it on your own. It's, it's, it's really great if you get the right person to work with. Yeah. Um, so, so for me, you know, that was hard because I think a lot of the teachers who worked for my family were afraid to discipline me or were afraid Mm. to say like, maybe he has a learning disability or things like that. And so it went undiagnosed until I got into public school and then public wow. school was like, there's something going on here and uh, caught it. So you get actually better education in public school than you do most private schools. If you have any type of learning disability. Mm. Um, so that was, that was, you know, that was tough. Um, I was overweight as a little kid. And so that was, I was just, you know, I was a target because people already like knew who my parents were or they were jealous of my family or whatever it was, you know, the kids can be cruel to fat kids. Oh, yeah. and so, you know, I would, I, I'm extremely introverted and I think that developed over that time. You know, I was more happy at home playing with GI Joes and star Wars figures. And I was, you know, socializing with other people. Um, I had my friends, but just a very few. So, and then after yeah. that, it kind of stayed the same as where I had a very few, I've always had just one or two really very close friends and uh, gone from there. So, I mean, it's just so different from like from age 11 and then 12 to, you know, 16, um, I was public schools. And so tried to go back to a private school that didn't work out, you know, so it was just, it's been a weird, 
a weird journey because it's there's being a PK and then there's being a fallen PK, you know, PK mm. of, of, of fallen evangelists. And you see it just as a different side of people. Um, you end up getting empathy for people that you never thought you'd have it for. And a lot of times when churches fall or people make mistakes, you have a lot more grace for those people. Then, yeah. um, you know, you realize uh, there's a genuineness to it. Like I saw, I, I'll, I'll pick on you for a second. I think it was you mm. who had a thing of a fallen pastor on, on Instagram. And then his 10 minutes later, he's taken it off and he's not sad yep. anymore. You know, that's not, you know, that's not true. He's a human. Those are human beings. Of course. You know, they yeah. hurt too. Unless they suffer from some sort of delusional, delusional type of problem, then they don't. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, these are people that are are also under extremes amounts of pressure to be perfect. And if we mm-hmm. know anything about humanity, no one can be perfect. And so I don't think it's you know I don't think it's an act. You know I think it's just people are in over their head. I mean, most of these preachers don't start off to become mega preachers. My parents started off to become puppeteers in children's church. You know. And just over time, all of a sudden that was on TV and they became popular. And then my dad started hosting this other show. I mean, it just kind of grew over time, wow. you know, into this huge church where everybody, you know, it wasn't like one day I'm going to have 10 million people who've mm-hmm. watched my show. It happens over time. And so I think it's easy to make the, it's easy to other people. It's very easy yeah. to other the church. And I think even going through, especially going through deconstruction, and, and things like that. It's very easy to have a lot of anger towards them, a lot of hurt towards them. And what we don't realize is a lot of the way they respond is out of their own insecurities. Absolutely. You know, um, they're afraid they're, they, they don't know either. And they might have some of the same questions. They might not even believe in God anymore, but they've, they've built their whole life on that foundation. Yep. And then they see somebody else doing what they want to do. And it, it scares them. So it, it's, it's, it's really, really, uh, uh, a complicated thing. So yeah, I do have, I have grace for everybody. And that, mm. that's what I'm kind of grateful for going through that is that, you know, I want to sit down and talk to everybody. You know, I want to work out problems and, 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 and have, have hard conversations. I want to argue well, um, but do it in a way that's productive. Yeah. And that makes any sense. So. Makes huge amounts of sense. I mean, this is, I mean, at the very end of the day, these issues are all systemic issues. Everyone is suffering yeah. from systemic issues that, yes. yeah, we, someone built at some point, but like you said, no one built these things with the intention for them to become terrible systems. No one sat down <laughs> right. and thought, how would we make a terrible system out of this? You know, the early church wasn't sitting there going, well, this is pretty good what Jesus set up, but how do we make it really corrupt? Right. You know, like that's well, not I mean, what's like, going I think about like, even my, my dad, like had a volunteer doing it, you know, started off with a volunteer doing their finances and then becomes this multi-million dollar ministry. And all he does is hire that person rather than vent people to come yep. and watch over what they're doing. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just a recipe for disaster. I mean, it, it's, it's yeah. kind of a, a, a capitalism in the American dream is why you, we often see it just crumble is because, mm. you know, it, just some things take off and, and people don't know what they're doing. Sure. I mean, that's, you know, how many people in just the business world get promoted beyond where they're supposed to be, you know, and that, that, yeah. that happens or they're really successful in one area and yet they have to do something else that they're really not successful at and they really should be outsourcing at this point, but yes. you know, whatever. Yeah. 
no, absolutely. And, 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 you know, we talk about pastors. I mean, like I talk, a lot of people don't see the behind the scenes of what I do. I mean, 98% of what I do is behind scenes, but I talk to dozens of pastors a week, probably a lot more, yeah. but sometimes up to a hundred pastors a week. Sometimes I, mean, I talk to a wow. lot of pastors wow. because here's the thing. The data on deconstruction is that people that de-church and deconstruct are more um, educated in their faith. They're more involved yeah. in their faith and they're usually higher up in leadership and volunteering roles within church. What does that suggest? Yeah. There's going to be a lot of pastors out there. Yeah. They are yeah. the top of that game. They're paid full time to educate themselves in their faith, to be involved in the church, to whatever. And so what's really crazy is you see so many pastors that are going through this and yet they're in a system that doesn't allow them to do it and they are utterly trapped. Um, it's, yeah. it's a painful thing. Um, and, and there's all kinds of different dynamics. And of course, like there's more narcissists in pastoring roles than in yeah. other parts of the church. And so of course, there's some narcissistic people that do some really stupid stuff and maybe do have issues and whatever. But even they, on some level, are a victim to the system. Um, yeah. Even if it's, on just, some if level. it's actual, if it's genuine narcissism, like yep. medically, nar- nar- I mean, then they have no control over it anyway. I mean, that's sure. unfortunate, but that's, you know, we want them to take responsibility, but you know, you might want yeah. to read a book on psychiatry before you yeah, well, I mean, see how far you can we, go. You know, everyone is ultimately, uh, even you know, if you've slowly developed that over you know. years, it's still a, it's still a thing that you can't get out of, right? You can't just switch yeah. to switch and turn it off. Um, and it's, and it's, sad. Yeah. it's, it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing because it's also takes a village to build that type of, of architecture. You know, usually, I mean, real mm-hmm. narcissists are usually something from their childhood, but people who've kind of learned that type of behavior, you know, it's happened over time from, from mm-hmm. yes, having people who say, yeah, oh, yes, 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 yes. I mean, my dad used yeah. to say that, you know, he said, just one day you wake up and no one disagrees with you. Because I would ask him sometimes when I was younger, I was like, how do... Like preacher, why, you know, why would you end up wearing a white suit, dad, you know, or something like that? And he's like, you know, it's, it sounds silly, but he's like, you just get around people who just keep saying yes, that you just lose touch with reality, you know? And uh, it's yeah. important to have friends who will, who will, who will uh, push back and tell you the truth, you know? Yeah. It's invaluable. You to give you shit when you pull up with a full blown white suit, custom tailored, and they're like, dude, yes. kind of look like an idiot. <laughs> like, that's why my, you that's need why that my person. Best Irish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But yeah, I, I think I can't even imagine how fucked up I'd be if everyone agreed with every idea I ever had. Gosh, I would be a mess. I need constant criticism and well, like, you pushback. And, you know, you oh. would just get to a place where just, mm. you're sad, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you think every thought you have is the Holy Spirit or something, you know? Yeah. Well, and yeah, there's plenty of those out there as well, you know? So yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Um and I think that's part of the the frustration. So many people in the deconstruction kind of as they deconstruct, they are so frustrated, so angry, so um, enraged by the the system, by the people in the system, even because it's very hard to distinguish between the two um, yeah. until you become a bit more nuanced. It's really hard to do that. You know, it's really hard to distinguish between your senator and the Republican Party or, you know, whatever, or the Republican Party and right-wing politics as a general kind of theme or theory, um, or right-wing politics and right-wing economics, you know, like there's like yeah, this nuance yeah. to these things, right? Um, but I think the th- one of the things that really people are railing against is themselves, because we forget that the person that we're upset with, the, the group of people that we're upset with, that was me four weeks ago, eight years ago, yeah. whatever it was, right? 
Um, yeah. And I think that's part of it. I think there's a shame. I think there's regret. There's all sorts of emotions that are tied to these people caused me to waste my time or I feel really guilty about how I treated gay people in this group. And so now I'm going to yeah. lash out at how they're still t- treating gay people, even though that wasn't what helped me get out of that situation, right? right? right. Probably. Maybe, maybe. Well, I, mean, I, but- <laughs> I mean, I think you, a good, good example of that was when um, the guy who wrote I Kissed Dating Goodbye came out yeah, and denounced- Joshua Harris, yeah. Joshua Harris came out and denounced his book. And people were like, it's too late. You know, you can't do this, blah, blah, blah. And he basically came out. I think he denounced his his faith as well. I'm not completely sure about that, but said something to those lines. Sure. And people were really angry at him. And I was just, you know, in my mind, I'm always thinking about how do we build community, you know, and being really angry at somebody and telling them when they ask for forgiveness and saying no is not how you build community at all. That's not how you build a good friendship, right? (laughs) And yeah, no, in any world, you know, it doesn't have to be a Christian world or anything. But, you know, people really railed on him about it. Mm. And then what, what I was surprised was it was a lot of progressives who did it as well. And yeah. I was like, oh, you know, so now the conservatives are being like, we love that book. How dare you? You know, and the other guys are like, how dare you? We hated that book, you know. But for me, the irony was, is like, well, either you bought that book or someone bought that book for you and you took time to read that book, you know. <laughs> and for me, I can remember being a pastor at the time, you know, 20 something pastor going like telling all my kids and, and people listening online, like, don't read this book you should go on dates. You know what I mean? So I'm like, it wasn't like there wasn't, you know, you you can't just blame him. You know, you turned the pages, you know, Mm -hmm. even if your parents gave it to you, be mad at your parents. Don't, you know, he screwed up too, but he was what, 22, 23. Oh, he was a product. Talk about products of the system, right? He was literally a child. I mean, he was so young. Like he just, I think he just come out of his teens. He was like 20, 21. And like he was a product of the moral majority, the purity movement, all these kind of people that were wanting that particular message kind of perfectly tailored. They found a great kind of poster child, supported it, published the book, you know, like, and gosh, no wonder. And it is interesting. And I think this is the problem with um, these kind of like dualistic concepts of like left, right, conservative, progressive. Yeah. Um, Generally speaking, they're just as dualistic as the other and they need an other to be long to their group. And so in yeah. one, on one side, you see people going, we hate Josh Harris because he was one of us. And now we don't know what to do because he's not clearly he's broke this like rule we have yeah. of like, we, we agree with your book. Um, but the <laughs> other side is going, we aren't happy with Josh Harris because we're supposed to be not happy with Josh Harris. And now he's agreeing with us. Right. Yeah. And it's like, so yeah. Where's our identity in hating this movement? Now, the thing is, if they just dis- disassociated that systemic belief and structure from the person that said, hi, I'm coming out, they'd have a warrior on their side on, on one level, yeah. right? Um, and, and it would be something that would be, oh, come on board. Like, you know, there, there is a way that you could do that and still fight against the system. Yeah. But the, 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 the lack of nuance to distinguish between the person and the, um, the message is, is I think that's troubling. Right. I learned from, from nonviolence and from Martin Luther King's work, you know, to, to, to create a movement of nonviolence was the idea is that, you know, your enemy is always a victim of misinformation, not mm. the person itself. And so, you know, if a person asks for forgiveness, changes their mind, repents, you know, then that person is brought, brought in. You know, you know, we, we try to work with that person, understand them, or educate that person, you know, um, 
And, and that's how the movement grows is you're trying to convince, you know, you're trying to convince that, that no dating is not a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, or yeah. racism is a bad thing. And someone goes, Oh, I think racism is bad. And you, it, you know, you, I don't think you'd ever hear MLK junior be like, Oh, I'm sorry. That was too late. You know, you, you should have figured that out, you know, years ago when we first started, you know, to anybody, I think if Bull Connor would have come crying to him, he would have been like, come on, man, watch with us, you know? Mm. So that's, you know, nonviolence has played a big role in, in my life as well with those, those type of things is we want people to change. When I was working with soul force for LGBTQ rights, you know, we were meeting with these huge mega pastors with the hope that they would change their mind, you know? And, and, and the last thing we'd want to do is if they said, change their mind being like, ah, too late, you know? So to me, mm. it's, 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 I don't know, it seems like common sense, but it's also because I've read so many books about it and lived through it. So I can't take it as common sense. I have to take it yeah. as something that I've learned through life experience. Yeah. And I think it is, it, it, it isn't common sense until it is, you know what I mean? It, yeah. it really yeah. is so counterintuitive when we view the world in such black and white, in, out, right, wrong, left, right. Yeah. Like it's, it's so hard for me to look across the table and not try and build an, a case, an argument, trying to, you know, make sure that that person is in their box. So I feel good in yeah. my box. Like it's so hard to break out of that. And the reason I know that is because I've done it for decades. You know I mean? I did right. it for the first couple of decades and a half of my life. That's and how I thought. And not the hurt and pain of others either too, at the same mm. time, because often their pain and anger are towards, you know, Jim Baker or this person or that person. And as they're mm -hmm. dealing with stuff, you don't want to be like, well, no, they're human beings. So you have to forgive them. Your anger's worthless, you know? So you also have to, you know, walk that, that line too, you know, and, yeah. and talk it out. And I think that's yeah. why having tough conversations are, are pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's, it's an interesting line I try and walk, but generally speaking, I'd say about 50% of my memes are pointing fun at a group of people. Usually yeah. I'm trying to point yeah. a picture of, of the, the, the system, the, the, the group, the, the, the structure, not individuals in it. Like, so I'm not calling it like, look at yeah. whoever, you know, like that guy, right. you look at Jay Baker, what <laughs> an idiot or whatever. I'm not going to do that, but I am going to go, Hey, have you noticed this about progressive Christianity? Oof. Have you noticed this about evangelicals yeah, yeah. or, um, and, and generally speaking, what I'm appealing to, because I, I I'm, it's kind of marketing one-on-one. I don't overly think of it as marketing, but what I'm thinking is yeah. a huge portion of people that need to, work with me and and try to go through some form of deconstruction to try and go beyond their dualism to try and heal and grow and become all that they need to be and move forward in their spirituality are sitting there scared angry alone and yeah. someone having a laugh at their enemy is the best funniest most right, healing yeah. most connecting thing but it is a really fine line to draw um, and at the end of the day, I, I, I have to just go at the end of the day, if a few people that I point at that are part of a group, take it too personally, get upset. That's okay. They're not my people. I'm not, not who I'm trying to reach right. out. I've got so many people to reach anyway. I'll, I'll, I'll lose them and, and, and deal with it. But it's I would push back on you a little bit on that. Oh, and I appreciate it. I, I think the power in what you're doing is that you don't have an agenda. And I think what you want to make sure is that you don't present certain things with an agenda, because I think there are people out there who you might think, you're, you know, well, they're not my people, but they are, they want mm. to hear it. They read your, they read 
you know, your, yeah. your stories, they look at your, you know, mm-hmm. they look at, look at your stuff. I mean, I, before I knew who you were, I was looking at it, going through it, you know what I mean? And, and recommending it to friends and, and people like that. And, you know, I talk about it at church, but one of the things I think your power is in, and I'm not saying you need to stop doing anything or start doing no, anything no. necessarily. But what I'm just saying is, is I think it's that this idea is that it's not one group that's the enemy um, or that there's a certain area that you want to get to, but it's letting people come and find out who they are, where they are yep. and how to deconstruct. And, and, and then you're like, okay, this is how you deconstruct, but where you end up is not, you know, need, not a really, I don't really care. You know, I just want you to f- be happy or live your best life move forward. as well. Yeah. yeah. Move forward. And so I think that's, that's mm. something that um, I think is important. Yeah. You know, is, is so, you know, you know, there might be, you might have to walk a finer line. I don't know, but yeah, I, well, I, I, I do because I get messages constantly from people that are in that place going, I, every single day I get three or four messages saying, Hey, Phil, I don't really agree with where you're at. And I'm a conservative. I'm a Baptist. I'm a whatever right. AOG pastor or whatever. Um, but I really love some of the stuff you're bringing up. I, I've, I'm asking some of the same questions. And so I'm, I'm here and sometimes it stings a little, but actually I, I welcome it and, and I'm interested. Yeah. And so I am so aware. And, and as I'm creating a thing, I'm like, oh, how would that person message me yesterday? Read this or whatever. Right, um, right, right. But yeah, I still flop. Like I would say probably about like 70% of the time I'm going to hurt a bunch of people. Oh, <laughs> but I think you can craft I, I mean, the most know, yeah. enlightened, beautiful message in the world and piss off half the world yeah, anyway. Piss so. off. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, that's my, my story of my life, yeah. man. Absolutely. You know, so um, go, but I'm, I'm really good at giving I'm, other people advice. <laughs> oh yeah, well, aren't we all? Aren't we all? That's that's yeah. what I'm fighting hard against. Um, but I'm really intrigued. So, so you grew up in this world, like it. It seems to me going being in this very heightened Christian world, kind of maybe resenting some of it, not being that um, excited about being in that world. Um, going through a, a hugely traumatic kind of like scandal, like seeing your dad go to prison, you know, all this stuff, all because they were serving God. Maybe they made some mistakes in that, but the, right. their, their their goal, their, their vision, the the tagline was still, you know, we're we're loving Jesus, you know. Well, I mean, um, I could, yeah, I could definitely say there was more good done than bad, you know. I mean, I yeah. I saw people who you know have their homes built or fed or you know whatever i mean i saw they did so many things exactly. that you know that no one talked about so you know there's there's all that that we forget about yeah. as well so how do you go through all of that kind of extreme kind of experience of um christianity and still navigate like it feels to me a lot of people would have walked away when things went south mm-hmm. that you would have just gone you know what this is not for me or you know what i'm not so sure about this or did you hold on to things the whole way through that? Did, did you, how, what, what was your faith like no, in those kind of I early mean, years? I, you know, I mean, there was part of me that was afraid of God, you know, um, there was also my, both my mom and dad both really always kind of made it clear is that we weren't, you know, that, that Jesus and God and, you know, and their opinions weren't the same as people, you know? So I, I didn't need to, you know, see that like you know because they're angry with us doesn't mean god's angry with us or because they're happy mm. with us doesn't mean god's happy with us you know and so there was some of that that yep. that helped you know knowing that there was i could separate the two um it, it was more of like learning more about human nature right away but i did have a lot of anger towards the church 
Mm. Um, through my high school years, I kind of just ignored God altogether and just hung out with my friends. And it was probably the best thing I could do for myself. Um, did some therapy here and there, um, every now and then had a church camp experience. Cause I, for some reason, my mom made me go to church camp on the summer, but, um, but for the most part, you know, it was, I was angry at the church, but I also mm. thought that God must be a monster, but not a monster because of what happened to my parents. I was under the impression that that God was like a rule keeper and a man in the sky keeping rules and wanting regulations. And so legalism was very real to me. Yeah. And I thought for some reason there must be something wrong with me because I couldn't obey these rules. And it wasn't necessarily things I was getting from my parents, strangely enough, because my parents never really shoved religion down my throat. Okay. Honestly. But um, but the people that worked for them did, you sure. know, the people who followed them did. Um, the, the schools that my parents sent me to and the youth camps that my parents sent me to did. And so for me, I felt like that God was this unrealistic taskmaster. Mm. And so that was, that was a really hard part. And I was mad at the church because I felt like there was this great amount of hypocrisy growing up in something where I heard so much about forgiveness, you know, and not see it, you know, and then mm. hearing about restoration and not seeing it, you know? So for me, there was like this thing of like, something's not right here. You know, something doesn't, this doesn't seem to add up, but it took me probably till I was 19 or 20 to really be curious enough to look into it for myself. Mm. Yeah. What was that that caused that? Do you think? Ca- caused the me to look into it or. Yeah. It caused you to kind of go, okay, maybe this is something I need to explore again or. Well, I actually had started this church revolution with a few friends and we were in Arizona and I got burnt out and I left. I just left mm. and moved to Georgia with some friends. My dad was out of prison by this time. Um, but I told him, I said, I can't do ministry anymore because I feel like God hates me. And my friend, uh, Donnie, Donnie Earl Polk, D.E. Polk is what he goes by now. He's a pastor. Um, but he looked at me and said, "You're, dude, you're trying to earn your salvation. You know, you're trying to make your... It's so funny to think, like, I don't think, even think this way much anymore, but at the time, this was very radical for me to hear, you know, he's like, you're trying to earn your salvation. You know, there's no reason for Christ to die for you, you know, and, um, and you're acting like you don't need forgiveness Mm. and, and, and and uh, something struck true to me there. But at the same time, I was like, you know what, you're just trying to get away with your own sin was my uh, major thought for him. (laughs) But I was like, I'll be your roommate anyway. You justify your sin how you want to. I'm just going to ignore God as long as I can. And uh, I was also a heavy drinker at the time. And so I started to get sober and I was just, I was just miserable. And one day I just came to him and I said, you know, if this, this thing about grace that you keep telling me about is true, you know, I said, prove it to me. And I really didn't know the Bible very well. I must've been 19, 20, probably 20 at this time. Didn't know the Bible very well. My parents never made me memorize it. And plus I had dyslexia, so I was awful memorizing anything. And he said, well, read the book of Galatians. And then he said, read Corinthians. And and so I started reading Paul, strangely enough. And it blew my mind. And Mm. I would call my dad sometimes late at night and be like, dad, why didn't we ever talk about this? You know, and I remember my dad saying like, well, you know, son, I know it, but he's like, it's so good. It just seems too good to be true. And here's one of the biggest televangelists to ever live telling me that he thought grace was too good to be true. And I'm like, well, that's right here. 
You know, I'm like, I'm reading it, you know, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you know, I'm like, this is pretty radical stuff. And um, I kind of compare it to like, maybe like Batman, you know, having that aha moment of like, oh, I'm going to fight crime. So I was like, I'm going to use grace to fight legalism and to fight the church, you know? So I turned grace and I weaponized grace a little bit for right. the first few years <laughs> of my ministry. Like I'm going to make these people pay. And, um, but hopefully set them free at the same time. Who knows what I was thinking at the time, but yeah. So that grace thing got me really excited. And so I just started tearing the Bible apart, reading it and reading it and then buying books. You know, what are you reading in seminary? We're reading this. Okay. I went, how can I get this book? I'll get the book. Oh, you're reading Greek and Hebrew. Okay. Well, where can I get books about Greek and Hebrew? Oh, you can get them here. Okay. Well, I'll go get those books. And, um, so I would just be sitting with all these books around me. Oh, well, the hist historical background and the culture of this society, how can I find out where that is? Well, I think it's in this book. Okay, I'm going to get that book. Um, I heard that there were these particular gods that worshipped in Rome that caused people, you know, that, you know, it wasn't really about LGBTQ stuff. It was actually about these particular gods. You have something on that. Oh, yeah, here's the pictures of those gods, you know, and the, with statues. Oh, okay, yeah, I want to read that. And so I just, I may be, for me, studying the Bible was started off as deconstruction right away. Mm. It was deconstructing everything I'd ever heard growing up. And, um, but wanting to really get as close to what I was hoping when I thought there was like this ultimate truth sure. that I could get to. And uh, it's funny though, how far you can go even as a literalist, you know, cause a lot mm. of the time I was studying this stuff literally. And um, I would say I became gay affirming because of literalism more or less, mm. you know, like I was like, Oh, you literally can't believe it's a sin. If you take it within its context, within what was happening and right. what the laws behind Rome were and all this stuff. So, I mean, I was like, I mean, now I would care less. I would just be like, it's wrong. Right. I disagree with Paul, but I'm kind of glad I had that moment in time where I was mm. just deconstructing everything, but deconstructing it with history and with yeah. Greek and with Hebrew and with all this, finding out what the root words were you know, and, and what does it actually mean to fear God? Does it mean to really fear God? Or does it mean to reverence God? You know what I mean? And just finding out all these little bits and it started to be, become good news. And as I got mm. older, then I started to realize like, oh, wow, the pastoral epistles don't belong in the Bible at all. They're probably forgeries. I mean, like just pure and simple, not, <laughs> not Paul and right. actually trying to clean up Paul's work. You know, they're almost anti-Paulinian. And so then, you know, discovering that and then being like, am I going to tell people about this discovery? You know? <laughs> and, and then, you know, a week later, I'm like, well, hell yeah, I'm going to tell people about this. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I just dove right into it because, it, you know, and I remember sitting with, you know, because I was lucky. I've been really lucky in my career to be able to go to like, you know, universities and different things and talk with scholars and things like that. And, and I remember one scholar was like, well, I know they really are that, but don't you think they still serve some use? And I was like, no, I don't. And, and this is why, A, B, C, D, you know what I mean? And, mm. and have those tough conversations. You know, here I am, a high school dropout, you know, having discussions awesome. about, you know, are these books belong in the canon or not? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's it, that's how, it, you know, I just started taking things apart yeah. and, and trying to understand context and, and, and original language. And I became, you know, for a long time, I used to collect Bible um, translations. I was obsessed mm. with trying to find the right translation. Um, so, yeah, that, that was, that's interesting. But the funny thing is, 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 you know, people are always like, study the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. And I, I would joke back then in my early career is like, 
you asked me to do that and then got mad at me for what I found out. Right. Yeah. I mean, so that's that could be the tagline for deconstruction, right? I mean, like people will frequently throw around the myth, oh, people that deconstruct didn't take their faith seriously or were back, like, or were not committed enough or didn't really understand the Bible. But nine times out of 10, and I don't have the actual data on that. That's a, that's more anecdotal. We're we're working on getting the actual data on that though, but there is a lot of data on de-churched people. And people that leave church, at least nine times out of 10, easily know the church, uh, know the, know the Bible much better than the average person in a church. If you picked a hundred people in church and a hundred people that have left the church and said, tell me about this Bible verse or where is this Bible verse? Or what do you think it means about yeah. homosexuality? Yeah, I mean, you see it in seminary, you know see more. It in seminary all the time. You see it in yeah. seminaries, people leaving the church in droves coming out of cine- seminary. Right. And I don't even know if it's necessarily rejection of the religion in particular, as much as it is, this is how I was raised and told. And now I'm finding out this is not true. I can't and so I've been lied that. to by the community I grew up in and I can't do it and I'm not going to go back into it. Mm. And for me, I never got stuck to a denomination or a body right. that, that, that said I had to think a certain way or act a certain way. And I have board members you know, who I've had leave before or tell me I was going to hell or try to destroy the church. <laughs> I've had that happen. Um, but I also have good friends who push back, who question me and, and things like that as well. But yeah, it's, um, but I've been able to say what I think. And, and, and part of that was probably out of an insecurity of not having a, the proper biblical education that most people mm. do. So my strength has always been, I've relied a lot on being very transparent and very honest with people. Um, I mean, I've had youth pastors fired who's had went back then when I would go speak at churches um, a lot more. I mean, I had pastors literally fired because they had me come speak at their church. Wow. You know, so it's it's quite a ride. Yeah, I, I can I can empathize. I, I've, I've had churches split over my visits and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was on my best behavior. I'm sure you were too, probably. So yeah. <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. That's but what, like, no, there's no, an element of reverence when you go to someone else's world and you're like, yes. hey, where are you guys at? I'll try and try and nudge you along. But I want to be sensitive to where you're at, you know, and, and then you're like, oh, God, that was a bit of a hard nudge. Apparently, I didn't think it was. But, um, yeah, and I've actually yeah. had churches book me because they know I do that because they're like, well, well we know we can blame it on you. Um, yes, we can get this message out, but we don't. When I was affirming, I had some non-affirming churches come and have me come speak, and the staff was like, "We're all with you, but we don't know how that'll be handled, so we want to test it on you." It's like fantastic, let's do it, you know. Um, But yeah, it's 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 interesting when you see what's going on behind the scenes. It's very very interesting. Yeah, no, it's it's. it's, I mean, that's what has given me. I mean, as a pastor's kid as well. Um, but just traveling and speaking in hundreds of churches over the years and you get to know these people and yeah, like there's so much in the way of problems in the system. And there's so many people that are very broken and unhealthy people that are pastors for sure. And doing some really harmful things, not going to take that away, not going to minimize the pain and, and suffering they're causing, but a huge vast majority of them are doing a really good job within the framework and the worldview that they have. This is yes. what to do. You could argue Westward Baptist Church are doing that, right? I mean, their whole right, framework right. is like, these people are going to burn in hell forever unless we go and pick at their funeral and convince them or, you know, whatever. It's yeah. warped and it's fucked up and it's wrong yeah. from my perspective, but yeah. it's the best. It genuinely is loving and kind yeah. in their No, they picketed worldview. my mom's funeral. So I definitely, I, wow. I mean- Yeah, I've of course. I guess you pick it off profile. Wow, gosh. And, but it's the thing of like, I mean, it, 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 that's the most extreme example I can think of, but how much more so can we think of like 
pastor gym of a church of 50 people in a rural town of like 800 people who is just trying to help people and doing yeah. hospital visits and just trying to help people feel like they have meaning in this world, that they have direction, that they're safe, they're going to heaven, like all these different things. Probably not the evil masterminds behind a Disney movie, you know? Like, right, like, right. And, well, that's, and that's, the, that's the tough thing too is because of social media. Now we can reach that guy because he decides to have a Twitter handle or something. Right. And then he's destroyed online, online, you know, and not with yeah. a lot of healthy people who are wanting to have really good conversations. I mean, I've had, I have some conversations with people where I just either get their phone number or they give me their phone number. If I think mm. it's important to, to really go somewhere just talk. rather than, than, yeah, you know, than to do it even in private online, just like, let's just talk, let's hear each other's voices. Let's hear the reflection. If we're near each other, let's have coffee, you mm. know? Um, but yeah, there are a lot of people and, 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 and that's the thing is we we're so quick to judge people as bad or evil or wrong, or we change, we trade one legalism for another legalism, you know? And it's, it's when I, I remember, um, I live in Seattle now, but my ex-wife is from Seattle, but when we were still married, we came up for a wedding and Mark Driscoll's church had just kind of fallen apart. I think it it was around this time. And we were up there and I remember this guy coming up to me being like, you know, I used to believe what you believed. I went to Driscoll's church and he's like, you know, and I don't believe that shit anymore. And I'm a lot happier than I've ever been. And I was like, I'm like, I don't believe half or 90% of what Mark Driscoll said, you know what I mean? Either, you know, I'm like, what do you think I believe, you know, and and tried to have a conversation with him of like, like, you know, I get you're angry, you know, I would be too. Um, but it's, we both probably believe in two different things, you know? I mean, that's what I love mm. about, about going, when I took classes in seminary just for, for kicks was, is like, you're looking at like 10 different theologians who all believe 10 different things. And you're just like, really what? different things. And yeah, they're all way really, smarter really than different. all of us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and it's like, it's not a, because of ignorance that they believe different things. No, it's because they're brilliant <laughs> and, you know, and they could, they looked into it too much. <laughs> right. They looked into the abyss and this is what they got, you know? Um, so so yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty, you know, so uh, yeah, I mean, I understand anger. Um, but at the same time, I also understand grace and I understand healing and that there's, I think time for us all to heal Mm. and and become better communicators with each other. And one of the things I'm trying to teach people to do is, 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 uh, is, is really argue well. So yeah. when you, if, you know, if you're already on the journey, you're going to go on the journey or you've been there and done that, but you argue well and you don't write these people off because you might be the person who changes these people, you know, like the ELCA, the evangelical Lutherans, you know, they weren't always affirming of LGBTQ people, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people left because of that. But a few gay and lesbian, bisexual, transgender folks stayed in the church and pushed and made the difference to stay. And now they're affirming they're the biggest, yeah. one of the biggest denominations in the, Amer- in the United States. And they are, you know, you can be gay and be a Lutheran pastor, you know? Um, and I remember when that happened, I actually spoke at, at their youth convention right before it happened. It was probably the only time I really held my tongue because I knew they were all on such edge, but, right. um, but about that issue, because that issue I was very outspoken on, but um but, but to see that change, you know, so there's has to be the people who aren't angry, yeah. you know, aren't angry or they're angry and they've, they've put it in a way to say, well, I don't want other people to have to feel this anger or feel this pain or feel this hurt. Yeah. I want to make a change. And so we need that, you know, we need yeah. people who, who, who can do that as well. And I believe everybody has that potential. I think it's just, 
it's if that's what they want to do with their life or not. And I'm not going to judge anybody for doing it or not doing it. You know what I mean? My thing is just, here's your options and here's what you can do. Um, I do want to change people on that concept. I, I believe as well that everyone has the potential to get to the place where they can do that. But I do yeah. think there's a, a journey. And I also wonder as well, uh, maybe you have thoughts on this because I mean, and this is a great example. So, um, you yeah, know, yeah. the Lutheran church is not affirming gay, uh, trans people, you know, bisexuals, asexuals, all sorts of different people in this movement are being hurt, being very yeah. hurt because they are not affirmed and not valued and not seen as they're just not accepted as they are. Um, yeah that's a hard place to stay in and make the change. I agree that change is often more likely to happen from internal uh, pressure than from external pressure. I think external pressure often does the job. <laughs> I like enough yeah. people start causing you to lose your money or whatever, or I don't know. Um, but generally speaking, it is going to work better from the inside. It is going to, or at least maybe it would quicker. But I think there's this dynamic of it's, it's tough, right? You're, you're asking people that are being, um, being hurt systemically. You know, they are victims of a, of a, of hate in some way or of some sort of, um, victimization. I'm trying to think of the right words, but, but the danger is that we turn around and we go, Oh, the reason this system isn't changing. Is because you gay people aren't doing it. But it's it's a church where 90% of the people in there, maybe much more, are straight and maybe they should be doing it. Or, you know, it's the the white church going, well, the reason it's not changing is because black people left and formed their own black churches. If black people came to our white churches, maybe we'd change. It's like, could you look in the mirror and say, maybe if I was less of an asshole right now, I'd probably change as well. Or um, it feels like there's a tension in that, right? Of well, like yeah, and that's people that are that's a, going through. That? That's why they make movies about people like Martin Luther King, and books are written, and he has a statue in Washington. Right, it's not. It doesn't happen. Often. It's not normal. It's not normal. And the people who are outside of the Lutheran Church too played a part by saying, you know, we don't want that type of hate. This is what it is, and by calling it what it is, and mm. by sharing their anger and their hurt. You know, what I mean, so everybody plays a part. Um, and I think that's why you're, where you come in with what you're doing is saying, you know, I don't have expectations on where you're going to arrive. And that's what I try to do as well. Um, I think what, one of the things I'm trying to do though, is like, cause I am trying to change things, maybe not from the inside, but from somewhere <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to say, don't hate the people who decide to stay in the machine. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and I used to really give the people who stayed in the machine a hard time, to be honest with you, you know, like, oh, mm. well, you're just, you're just keeping it going. You know, you're keeping the hate going. And what I realized is that, you know, maybe I was writing off the wrong people and not, maybe I was just writing off people period was, was the wrong thing to do. And, uh, so that's, that's, you know, kind of a lesson you learn that everybody has plays their own role. Um, but it, it's, it's hard to walk that line, but it, I just, the job is for me as a pastor is I just want everybody to kind of have a little bit of grace for each other and each other's callings you know, and, and what's going on. And I don't expect mm. anybody to be, you know, the next Martin Luther to reform the church, you know, um, but they might and they can, and they have the capability to do that. I really do believe that. Mm. And, you know, I believe Luther was, 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 was deconstructing as well, you know, rather than throwing a page of, you know, Galatians into the fire, he decided to read it. You know what I mean? Mm. And uh, it did something to him and he deconstructed and what happened, you know, now we have, 
more separation in churches. <laughs> or we have, you know, a really great concept about grace. Um, yeah. By no means anything perfect, but still that, that, you know, that's the it's thing. Baby steps I, in the evolution, I guess. But it's also it's, why like, I, I, I've been dropping your name lately to, to friends is because I'm going, oh, great. I don't have to handle all this shit. You know, I know somewhere where you can yeah. go and work with somebody who knows a lot of, more about deconstruction than I do and, uh, and can help you out a lot more. So, that, you know, so my job can be, oh, I'm going to come up with a talk on Sunday and I'm going to encourage this because, you know, this is my, where you yeah. need to be or at least have this, have this in your life right now plus what we're doing or even minus what we're doing. But this, here's a, here's a place to go to look into this. So that's, mm. I, I'm a big, 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 big proponent of, of helping people find where they need to go and not holding on to anybody. You know, I just, yeah, it's not my that's thing. That's beautiful. That's a, that's a huge thing. And I think it's a really important thing when we, I think when I was on your podcast, we talked about this, yeah. um, the, the concepts of kind of like stages of growth and how we psychologically develop and how at certain stages you need certainty and safety and security and you need an authority figure that kind of holds your hand and kind of gives you a bit of a like, well, this is how to read the Bible. This is what God says. You know, like you yeah. need that for whatever reason. And now, later on, you might look at that and go, that's abusive. That's controlling. That's whatever, you know, that's yeah. just letting yourself not thrive or whatever. And it's like, yes, 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 yes. But that's also right. what you want, right? That's what you, you psychologically yeah. are going. That's what I want right now. And it's, it's realizing that I can stay in that system and help them move into the next step. But you know what I can't do if I stay in that system and help them move to the next step is move the people that move on to the next yeah, step. Right, and, right. and so I need, I now need to go, well, who's going to help those people that I help move on? Or I come across, someone comes to me and says, Hey, Phil, what about this? And I'm like, dude, I can't talk about that here or I can't do my work in here. Right. And, and, and that's when <laughs> yeah, I worked yeah. in the church, when I worked with Bethel, when I traveled and spoke in very conservative churches that were charismatic, but very conservative. I had to keep a low profile and a lot of things I believed so I could help people move. But when they moved yeah. on, they were kind of like, oh, we don't really like Phil's stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I don't like my stuff, but this yeah, is where I'm at. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a, there's gotta be on some level this, um, like you said, we don't know where people are at. Maybe the, there's a pastor of a church doing that. And he's like working with super, uh, not affirming people. And he's like, yeah, okay. I can't come out and preach first Sunday of the church when I get, night at the pastor or whatever you know yeah, um, whatever yeah. works in this down ocean i can't come out week one and go all right guys we're affirming everyone because that's going to be a shit show and everyone's going to walk away and i've changed no one's mind um how do i do this step by step so i actually bring them forward now if a gay person comes to my church i think the responsibility for that pastor is then to go dude get the fuck out of here right like yeah, yeah. go 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 this is not a safe place for you like um, I agree come back you. in eight you. years but you, you know help. um yeah. But surely that's better than going, okay, we're just going to jump to the goal and then all these people yeah. will walk away and find another fundamental place to bunker down in. Like, I need yeah. to well, see I, these people I, change. Know, and I'll be honest with you, I jumped. Mm. I did that. I mean, I, 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 I became affirming uh, over a few months of just really studying and, and talking with some pastor friends of mine. And, uh, and it happened because I got invited to speak at Exodus, uh, which mm. was a, a, wow. a how to – uh, you know, the, yeah. uh, what's it, what's it called? Uh, uh reparative the therapy. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The reparative therapy. And, and so I was like, I've got to look into this more and more. 
And I, and I came to the conclusion that I didn't think it was the sin. And, and so me just being as earnest as could be, I was like, I've got to tell everybody. And I remember telling my board first, and that's my board split. And we lost all of our donations. We had a huge, you know, I, mean, I think those two years, we probably made over $100,000 at our church a year. I've never wow. seen that kind of money since. Um, I spoke at every Christian, you know, all these different Christian music festivals and all this stuff. And I did that sermon, and then within 24 hours of that sermon going online, this is this is probably 2006. I lost every speaking engagement I had, wow. and within a month, I had to lay off my whole staff. Um, so yeah, I mean, so I know what it's like to just jump to that, right? And yeah, I think yeah, yeah. for me, it worked, and I slept really well at night. But I definitely yeah. learned, you know, what other pastors, yeah. What it takes why for they other don't. pastors to get to that, why they don't, yeah. you yeah. know, and, and it's, it's different, right? Too, for a pastor, you know? for you, maybe if you're thinking of like, yeah. if you're thinking very personally, my inner world, I'm like, gosh, the weight off my shoulder, that'll be, and that's great. But then it's also, you're also weighing up that, oh, I've got staff though, and I don't want to like ruin their lives. So how do I balance yeah. that? I think when you're just an average Joe, uh, like most of us, just going along to a church, you can maybe go, oh, I'll be a part of this. I'll try and change. But you can also maybe go, this isn't good for my health right now. I might come yeah. back in five years to do this. But right now, this is, I don't need this. Yeah. And, and I, I think, think you can definitely love that's okay. from a distance. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fine. You know, um, not that you have to love everybody. I mean, I encourage everybody to try that. I think it's pretty cool when you can, can but it also I've had to live through a lot, of hell to, <laughs> a lot of hell to get to that point. Where I've realized it's almost harder for me not to than it, you know what I mean, just because mm -hmm. that's where I'm at. Um, but it's taken me a lot of time to get there. Um, what helps you get there? What's 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 helped shift the the like what gets you to the point where you can go, okay, yeah, I can love ISIS, I can love Hitler, or you know these kind of extreme because, examples. Well I, mean, well, I mean, I mean, even these extreme examples is like, you know, I can love for them. I don't know what to do for them. I cannot like them and still love them at the same time and not approve of what they're doing and still love them at the same time. It's not hate the sinner or hate the sin, love the sinner is not what I'm trying to do. But what I'm trying to do is just say, if I could have a conversation, that's what I'm always thinking now is if I could have a conversation with them, you know, and if I yell at them, like people yelled at me, is that ever going to change them? You know, mm -hmm. if I call them murderers or zealots or whatever, you know, am I just going to blend into a whole one giant voice? Or if I go, okay, tell me why you think Christians should be killed. You know, tell me why you think these people should, look, let's sit down and have this conversation. Because I really believe that people want to be heard. I believe people want to discuss things. And, um, and there's people I've had great conversations with and they've never changed. And there's mm -hmm. people who I've had conversations with and seen them change. Um, and, and I'm often very impressed with the, just the fact that they were able to have conversations because I've had a lot more people not willing to have conversations, Yeah, but I believe there's just, we're all so complex. I believe in, uh, you know, that we're all, as Hegel says, we all have a contra contradiction built within us mm -hmm. and that we can only recognize it and we cannot change it. I mean, we might be able to lighten it, but we can't change it. And I firmly believe that. And, um, I believe there's, when we come together, even in conflict is one-on-one -on -one. there's a recognition of one another's humanity whether we know it or not unconsciously i think we we, mm. we, we know it but it, what it takes to get there is is not easy um might have to go to see a psychoanalysis to understand that but i believe we do recognize each other's humanity in, in that kind of way and uh 
You know, I mean, think about the thoughts if you've ever been yelled at by a street preacher and you got in an argument, you got really angry, you said something dumb. And then later you're in the shower, you're having the argument in your head. I mean, for me, that was always something like, I wonder if that guy feels this. <laughs> and I mean, all of a sudden, I wonder if he, I'm also considering, is he a human being too? Yeah. You know, and so there's something very powerful in that. Um, I did a talk a few weeks ago where I, I, where, which was where I was really plugging you. And I was, and I, I think it was like, be a badass, don't be an ass. And talking about deconstruction. Which one was I? <laughs> Definitely the ass. Uh, no. I like you because you do sometimes, even for me, I go, I'm like, both. No, but that's fantastic. <laughs> but what, but the idea was, is how do we go from being like returning the, like the preacher who says something shitty to us because we're asking questions. And then when we ask a question, do we say something shitty back mm-hmm. or do we go, let me think about that. And I'm like, how do we go from that there to that? And that's why I like, like, you know, go talk to Phil. He'll, yeah. he'll, he'll love you. If no matter if you're an ass or a badass. but if we're really wanting to move forward, how do we make space to actually have conversations with these people? So maybe we can lead them yeah. to where we're at. And, um, you know, I know I sound like I'm like, you know, like I want the impossible to happen, but I, I do believe that there's a community here and that we, with people like you and people like Pete Rollins, um, people like Todd McGowan, uh, different people I respect, uh, you know, I can hand them books or I can hand them yeah. an address or Instagram handle and say, uh, you know, you know, let's, let's check this out and that we can become, I mean, this is this really, you know, we can just become, we can just live well and, and learn to eventually, what's really great is when you learn just you don't, you don't really give a damn, mm. you know what I mean? Like I give a damn when it's my work, but like when we get off of here, I'm going to, eh, you know, whatever life, life goes on. I'm living life, clean up the house. Kids are coming on Thursday, whatever, you know what I mean? And just, you kind of learn to just kind of let it go. Yeah. And there's something really fantastic about that too but that takes a while too i mean i've been through a lot of therapy which i can't recommend enough is very yeah. good therapy i would don't recommend christian therapy at all to be honest with you um it's okay if they're a christian but not a christian therapy group is would be my advice is find a therapist um and while you're going through this type of thing especially deconstruction because it can just be extremely lonely it's a lot to process on your own. Yeah, so much. And especially like if you are the going to the church where there's 50 people in the rural yeah, south and gosh. you're asking these questions and now you're just like, damn, what do I do? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, thank and God. Every have- sermon you hear, every conversation you hear is a subtle kind of almost gaslighting invalidating your personal experience because no one else is having that experience, right? So your experience yeah. isn't real to them. Like, and so whether the intention is there or not, you're hearing in your head constantly what you're going through isn't valid. You're, those thoughts are just lies totally. or not real or, you know, that's a, yeah, go see therapists. <laughs> I mean, like, well, I mean, you know, I mean, or someone throws out like the book of James, like don't doubt because you're wave like, you know, you go, oh, oh no, you know, and I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm with deconstruction, we have to look at the whole book together. Like we can talk about James and James has got some fucking issues. If you don't realize the issues that, G- <laughs> that Paul was having with Peter was all because James people came in and Peter was mm-hmm. so afraid of James's people that he wouldn't sit with Gentiles. Like when you're able to like, kind of even show people like that. Yeah. Like, the perfect know, early church, right? That we all want to go back yeah, to. Even the rock, Peter was afraid of James. So there's an issue here. Let's see what this issue right. is. You know, maybe <laughs> this isn't the guy to go to right now. Um, and how do you read the Bible? You know, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, you had Rob Bell on, you know, and he shows us that it's a collection of books and and different things like that. And and so is, I mean, anybody, 
I mean, people who've studied it do start to realize that and you are able mm. to kind of take it more with a grain of salt. But there's a lot of, you know, I don't know even what I'm saying anymore, but there's a lot of freedom in that. So Yeah. No, it's I mean it's absolutely huge. Like the Yeah, the it's it's a painful, crazy, wild process to go through. And and you don't even need other people to be throwing James in your face, right? You've read no, James no. all your life. You throw- You've heard it all your life. You, you are sitting there lying in your bed trying to get to sleep thinking, I'm just tossing to and fro like waves right now. I, I am the doubter. What if I am lukewarm? What if Jesus spits me out? Like you, these, you don't need anyone you no know, one. telling you you're invalid or you're evil or you're backsliding. You think it because you've heard this again and again. And you don't even need to think, oh, what will my pastor think? Because you heard him talk about the yeah. last guy that did this. Well, right? The, fa- the yeah, difference is reading- you were there lynching the last guy as well. <laughs> right. You were agreeing with them because you were scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, usually. And I mean, I remember when I was doing a book and it called Faith, Faith and Doubt. And I remembered that James just like, I just, it was almost like James was whispering into my ear when I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do faith and doubt. And I was like, God damn, I'm going to have, now I'm going to have to write about that, you know? And uh, great, you know, that's even worse because I had to confront him. Um, Luckily he was dead and couldn't talk back, but yeah. (laughs) Confronting James is an interesting thing. Clarifying James is even more interesting, I think, but you know, it's easy to speak for the dead. Well, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it, it kind of jumps back to what you were saying earlier about your, your engaging with the Bible. But it is fascinating that so many people, as they deconstruct, they do remain quite um, literal and legalistic about their faith. That they're, yeah. they're grappling with the fact that their legalism and their literalism, especially the literalism, it's not it's not allowing them to love to the degree that they want to or need to or be as inclusive yeah. or whatever it is. Um, and, or it's maybe causing some bad fruit, some fear, some shame or whatever. And so they're going, I don't like this, but they then have to approach the Bible and go, right. So how do I read this? And so if I can just find the right context, a bit of a structure <laughs> from history or maybe yeah. find out, Oh, Peter and James and John, we're all having this big fight and you know, like yeah, or whatever yeah. Paul comes in and he's disagrees as well. And like, Oh, and now I can, I feel permission to read this literally, but I can go, well, when it said that in this context, now yeah. I feel safe. But what's fascinating is, like you said, and, 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 and like a lot of people listening to this are still in that place. But but yeah. like you said, a lot of people get to a point where like, Gosh, I don't really care anymore anyway. If you yeah. ask me, uh, what's interesting is you then find the people that are starting that process and they're going, how do you read the Bible like this? And my thought, my first thought is, like, I don't. I don't really care yeah. what it, yeah. how I would yeah. read it to make it say that, but you need it to say that. Like, you know, there's a, there's a need yeah. for you. Again, it goes back to this kind of stage thing where you go, Oh, you're at a stage where if I respond, I don't read it like that. Who cares what it says? It's in Timothy. That's just bullshit um, or whatever. Yeah. Right? They're going to yeah. run. They're going to run. Yeah. And you're going to be like, Oh, I missed the opportunity to help them on their journey. I need to yep. go. Oh, well, actually. Let's look at some context for Timothy. Let's look at how it could be read. Maybe this passage about woman could be read this way. You don't say, eh, it's probably read written 200 years later by someone that just pretended <laughs> to be Paul to try and put yeah. women in their place because a lot of Paul said was very pro-woman. Maybe yeah. just don't read it. That's not the approach right. most conservative, you know, early no, deconstructing no. Christians are going to want to hear. Um, it's a very, Our it's, no it's fascinating to, to me to the, that process. Well, yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. I sometimes I, give books where I give books to people that I read earlier on where I was like, I was there. Okay. Read this book. It's a book that I don't necessarily agree with, but I know that it is a good jumping point. You know, I yeah. mean, I remember reading books 15 years ago that I thought were complete heresy 
you know, and now I read them today and think they're like too orthodox, you know. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, people ask me, why do, why do I keep up my old podcast and why do I sell my old, I have a little devotional book and they're like, why do you sell that? And I'm like, I don't believe it. But if anyone asks me, I tell you, it's, it's not, I wouldn't believe it. But if you read the blurb and you thought that sounds great, it's for you. A hundred percent. You're going to love it. If you think, oh, a 30 day devotional about different theological topics and you think I'd like that, you will like it. Right. Yeah, yeah. But if you're thinking, oh, the Bible, why is Phil writing about the Bible? Don't buy the book. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but it's, it's funny because I'm like, well, they will like someone is going to be at the place where that was helpful because it was helpful for me at some point. Yeah. Right. And, and I think there's so much value in, again, this just comes down to being nuanced, right? Not these black and white in out. Cause the thing is, if you have that look, well, at what point are you in right now? Right. Not yeah, yeah, three yeah. weeks ago, not two years ago, not five years ago. <laughs> so yeah. are you going to be in three weeks from now when you change something? Right. Right. This is, it's, it's a disaster. And it's you teach disaster. people to be where you are right now and they get there. But by the time they get there, you've moved on and they're still yeah, in the wrong yeah. place. It's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's a very flawed system in a lot of ways. This kind of in out approach. It really to is. I mean, there doesn't need to be an in or out approach. I mean, that's what I love about the 12 steps mm. is that, you know, how it brings just every level of person together. You know, I mean, I've been in AA meetings where drunk people have been sitting next to me, you know what I mean? And, and so I, I was like that. And I love now that I'm in, in at Revolution, when, at least when we last met, which has been March, I guess, March or April, um, where we, you know, having people who are like, oh, no, I'm a total atheist, you know. And what do you think about that? And I'm like, I think I'd like to have you speak in the next couple of weeks and tell people where how, how you got out of your faith and, and survived, what? Mm. Yeah. No, I want you to talk about that. And that's stuff we do at our church. I mean, there's some people who just don't believe. And I'm, what I'm going to say isn't going to change their minds, you know, and what I believe for a lot of people, if I sat down would maybe cause them to not believe in God anymore or think I'm a heretic or, you know, whatever, go another way. Um, but just not being like, I'm not the, I'm not the end all, you know, my voice isn't yeah. the end all. That's why we have, um, afterwards it's just part of the service now we called it uh, afterglow as a joke but everybody question, has questions at the end of the service and if you're listening online you can type them in and uh, live and and we just go with pushback or you know compliments or whatever we get you know we we, we deal with it in those in those moments and you don't have your yes guy deleting the other comments that the, the, the questions <laughs> that you don't like I, 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 i'm gonna hire one of those soon. no but yeah no it's good it's 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 been great it's just making this atmosphere where everybody can push back and ask questions and it's beautiful you know because we're all in, in in different places and maybe that's the problem with organized religion um you know, and I've always jokingly called revolution unorganized religion, mm. you know, is that everybody's at different places and I'm not here to save anybody. You know, yeah. if they want to get out of, if they want to get out of Christianity, I, I you know, I'm going to stick with them through that journey. Yeah. And um, because who knows what's, what, what they have for them, but on, you know, yeah. everywhere I was raised, I mean, I can feel it in my bones when I say that, like, that's not right. You know what I mean? Like there's that old part of me that 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 is like oh, what are you doing you know but mm. i'm just you know trying to love people the best of my ability i mean i remember you because you were talking about like you know how do i do this when the bible says this or this and this and i remember in my early 20s sitting with a pastor friend of mine and and asking him like have we been tricked like has did jesus pull a trick while like letting all these other guys take part in the bible you know like 
if we listen to them, we're not listening to him. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like a, some sort of weird puzzle, like some sort of yeah, test yeah. we're supposed to pass. Like, you know, <laughs> everyone has failed. Yeah. Like if I tell what Paul or James told me to do that, I'm not loving the way Jesus did. Or if I actually ask, if I treated someone like Jesus did there, then I'm not doing what Paul said over mm. here. And you know what I mean? I'm like, this is real, you know, and if love is the ultimate goal, then, you know, I can't, I can't go to half of these places anymore, you know? And, uh, you know, also trying not to do, you know, gymnastics anymore. And just, you know, I'm really getting yeah. into philosophy and I kind of hope that that's where the future of my, my uh, career goes is, 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 is a lot more philosophy, a lot more Hegel mm. and, and keep Jesus and Paul around because I really dig those guys, you know? Yeah. So. That's awesome. Talk to me about, so this is interesting. I've had a few pastors on, I mean, I've had a lot of pastors on that have deconstructed and many of them have uh, blown up their churches and it's gone terrible for them. Uh, Many have blown up their churches and it's gone fantastic for them. Many have uh, split their churches and they've held on to some of them. Um, And others still have managed to kind of like bring their churches with them. Uh, And and it depends on the the type of person, their desires, their goals, how they've processed, what kind of pain they've been through and um, things like that. There's all sorts of different things. But one of the things that I'm constantly fascinated with, and I love talking to people that are still running some form of church or community, um, some gathering, is you know church is hard anyway Re- running even just a conventional you know generic doesn't matter lutheran aog baptist running a church is hard i've been a part of a baptist church my, my dad's baptist church growing up i've been a part of multiple other denominations growing up and and and, and through life it's hard i've talked to hundreds of pastors it's, it's very difficult. hard but when you're pastoring people that are in radically different places it's a whole nother level it's it's like pastoring cat like herding cats you know it's, it's, yeah, it's like yeah. what how what are some you know because i know a lot of people out there maybe that not many people listen to this probably want to be a pastor but a lot of people out there are maybe alone maybe there's a couple of them they have a few friends that are deconstructing with them but i know a lot of people are going we want to build some sort of community together like because there is something whether you like it or not church does community fantastically on the whole yeah. and, and it creates this community that loves one another that's there for one another that if you're sick they'll bring you around lasagna to feed your family they will visit you in the hospital they will you know they're just there and it, and they create friendship groups and, and social structures for things to happen that is missed by a lot of people who can't yeah. do quote-unquote church anymore um and, and many of these people are very aware that church isn't a building or an institution right, right they right. get it's the people but they don't have people either um yeah. what, what would you like suggest to people are, are some of the keys that you found in developing community where people do believe differently because what i guess my big question is what i've found is that when you deconstruct you you are generally coming out of a world where we all gathered around believing the same thing. And so the default is, oh, if I can just find some deconstructing Christians, we'll all believe the same thing. Right, right. Doesn't happen, right? No, they they all believe happen. radically different. So what what do you do when half of them want to worship, but the others find worship horrendous and very triggering? Or what do you do yeah. when half of them want to pray, but the other ones are like, I don't even know what God is anymore. I don't know who am I praying to? Like, or right. h- how have you kind of managed some of these kind of concepts and and uh, difficult. Well, I don't really pray anymore either, which is funny. And I'm this is me, my way of trying to answer some of that question. But I've had people ask me to pray for them, and, and I pray for them. It just doesn't get me all. You know, I'm like, I'm mm. not going to pray because I don't believe that that works. Or let me give you why my theological reasons. Like, no, okay, you, prayer is important. To you let's do this. You know, let's have a prayer. Let's talk about it. It just mm. doesn't. It's not going to bother me one way or the other. Um, 
learning to when people come up and like I said, I'm an atheist and I think your whole message on loving your enemy is bullshit. You know, what do you think about that? I'm like, well, okay, can you speak in a few weeks and tell us why? So we can have a conversation about it. Um, Not being shocked by what I just not shocked what people believe anymore or don't believe anymore or, or care what, you know, unless they're going to hurt somebody or unless Mm. they're, they're hurting. So even I do care if when people start to hurt each other verbally or online or things like that, those are things I will pay attention to Um, because I think it's dangerous and we don't know where our enemies are in their own mental health and where that, what they're dealing with. And uh, mental illness is is very, very real in the church today. Um, But just being compassionate, loving, I mean, really grace screwed me up, man. You know, the, the, the verse love, you know, love God with all your heart and equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. And then, well, who's my neighbor? And then he goes and tells the story of the good Samaritan, you know, and then that's, that's the guy's enemy, you know, and I'm like, oh, so I have to love my enemies too. And just learning to love and forgive people more. something my mom was always able to do. And even my dad mm-hmm. did pretty well, was always taught me, didn't teach me. I kind of had to learn it over time, but they always told me to forgive people. And they felt that it was very important. And when I realized it was important because I realized that the hate seemed to actually turn me into something worse and Mm. cause me to, to develop other coping mechanisms to hide the hate or to deal with the hate or to, or if when I released the hate, it wouldn't release. Right. You know what I mean? And to forgive them. Then all of a sudden I could be like, you know what? I really disagree with this and I don't hate you. You know, you did this and it really hurt me, but it's not a reason for us to hate each other, Mm. you know, and something happened there. But I honestly tell you, it's a difficult place when you get to a point where you're loving other people's enemies because they'll sometimes be hurt because you're like, hey, you're my friend. How can you love this person? Right. Yeah. And you go like, well, I'm not trying to be their best friend. I'm just trying to find out why they hurt you the way they did, Yeah. you know, and I'm trying to give them the grace that they refuse to give you. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm hoping that they'll see the errors of their way in the same way. And, and I'm saying all this is the base basically is like, you have to meet each person as an individual. Mm-hmm. That's how you have a diverse community is, you know, everybody, you need their needs where certain people's needs are. The problem is, is the church wants to prescribe one need to every person or like, okay, well, you know, this part needs this and this part needs that. For me, it's all about the individual. Now yeah. having a church online, I don't always know what that individual need is. Um, so I just have to say, Hey, if you don't like it, you don't like it. If you do, you do, you know, but if you really upset you or really, you know, let me know right now why I'm talking or send me, go to Instagram. Cause I love Instagram. Send me a message, DM me, you know, we'll talk about it. Um, but it is, it is trying to deal with people individually. Like I had a guy go off on me the other day online and, and I called him, you know, and, and he, we talked on the phone for like an hour and it was a really horrific first 30 minutes conversation like we were both just pissed you know what i mean it was like we were just like in a piss fight basically yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what i mean it was like what you know this is what are you guys doing and we got around to it and it got better at the end but it was really 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 tough and really really mm. uncomfortable um so i think when we learn to kind of respect people individually not to scapegoat whole groups you know yeah. not all conservatives are evil I, i'm sorry it's just true. Yeah. You know, um, most people who are in ministry aren't on TV, you know, and they're probably not awful people. They're doing the best with what they've got. And you might be the person who's able to give them something else, you know, but it's just, I don't know. I, I just, I've been lucky enough to like 
Pete Rollins's books helped me a lot, to be honest with you. Like mm-hmm. reading Martin Luther King was really amazing, amazing and, and changed a lot of ways while I dealt with people. But then I read a, a lot of Pete's books about, and they kind of put to words to some of the things that I was feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, he's very, he's a very, you know, he'll take you on a deconstruction tour. That's not a lot of fun. Trust me. I've been through <laughs> it with him as a best friend, but, um, but there's something about not, not, shitting on people not scapegoating people and not hurting other people and not even hurting those who are hurting you and not returning the favor mm. and uh you know this whole idea of like do do unto others you'd have them do to you and treat your neighbor how you'd want to be treated those are a few things that i do take to heart and i've really tried to impl- implement in my work mm. and it really helps now are there times there's somebody i'll see and i just want to punch them yes i mean there's this guy who's a worship leader and he keeps doing these worship things and front of like with large crowds right now. Mm-hmm. And honestly, yep. I would, you know, I wouldn't mind debating him publicly. That would probably be the best first thing. But there's I a part of me that's like, I would love to have him on my show. Oh God. But, uh, yeah. You know what I'm talking do it, about. I don't think I do. Yeah. yeah I think most people and, do. And, so, and, and then there's a part of me where I, I, I wouldn't mind punching the guy in the face. And I believe in nonviolence. I believe in grace and all that stuff, but I'm also a human being where you just go like, yeah, ah, you know, so I, I'm not perfect at this by any means, but, Mm. But, but also helping people when they come into a space of, of deconstruction where all people are different and you're building a community of different, I think it's also important to make it clear is that this is not a safe space, not mm. in the least the way most generally people put it, because there are going to be people who say things that make you angry and that are going to trigger you. And I'm not going to be able to give you a warning every time. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I don't know if there's a church in the world that's honestly a safe place. So, um, you know, if you want to create a safe space, don't, don't do a church, you know, Mm. create a club where, you know, there's, there's these type of people, but, but the church isn't it. It's just not safe. I mean, it's historically never been a safe place. And, uh, and when you bring people together who have different political beliefs, different religious beliefs, different ideas, um, you just have to train people, you know, train people, you don't really train people, but to help people understand that how to deal with conflict. Yeah. And that becomes really important, you know? Do you have thoughts on the, this gives me better. Yeah. Do you have thoughts on the progressive church? Cause I feel like, um, the progressive church is quite a fascinating movement. And and obviously that, that phrase kind of encapsulates quite a lot of different kind of, um, of church. But, um, to me, I think of like, Oh, what's a safe space for a lot of people that are even using that phrase would probably find somewhere like the progressive church, a fairly safe place, but it's because it is very black and white and fundamental and very dualistic. It's still, it's just a very different type of fundamentalism yeah, where no, I mean, we're not going to yeah. allow a non-affirming person to speak or to, you know, particularly, and they're going to feel uncomfortable in that environment, much like a gay person has felt un- uncomfortable in the Baptist church. And, and, so in the same way that most kind of um, very traditional, uh, traditional is maybe the wrong word, but conservative, conventional, um, uh, black and white Americans would feel very safe in a Baptist church, right? As long as they yeah. were maybe like white, cis, straight, or whatever, the, the category, there's qualifications to that. But on the flip side, a... Uh, a trans person, a gay person, a extremely liberal political person is probably going to feel fairly safe in a church run by Shane Claiborne or Brian McLaren or kind of these progressive voices. Um, do you have thoughts on, on the, that movement? Do, do you have an idea? Because I know a lot of people at Deconstruct find that very helpful. Um, well, I, in think a lot I ways. came out of the emergent movement. Yeah, that was okay. a thing that embraced me during the grace times, the grace years, mm-hmm. or, you know. 
during some tough years and I kind of came in and then we all kind of like just dissolved and disappeared. It was a very cool thing to be a part of. Ironically, mm. I think it was probably the progressives who, who, who caused us to, to disintegrate. Right. Um, and I worry about the progressives because I do feel like they're the new fundamentalists in a way. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, uh, it, you know, you're, you're, you have to think this way. You have to vote this way. There's a lot of scapegoating going on saying, well, if we just got rid of these people and what bothers me is they be in some ways they are starting to become exactly what they hate and mm-hmm. exactly what they said we don't want. And, you know, now the, you know, the guy who, whose parents voted for Trump, Trump is being told that he needs to leave his family rather than the guy who's gay told, you know, his parents saying you need to leave your son. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. It's like, it's yeah, a, yeah. a very similar dynamic. And, uh, and to me, it's, it's just another form of heresy. And really, I mean, it's not the whole progressive movement, but it really is getting, it's starting to get out of hand. And um, I shut my Facebook down, not because of, of conservative Christians, um, I mean, and I went through a time where, you know, Mark Driscoll was huge and I had all these um, neo-Calvinists coming after me left and right. You know, and these guys don't just get right. pissed at you. They start podcasts and they would yep. play clips of me and then talk about me clips. And Dude, talk, they Mark you know, Driscoll so, you. you yeah, that famous. No. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, you know, this is awful. I, I had no idea I was going to be analyzed. And did I say that? Um, um, but yeah, so. Are you still there? Yeah. So, um, I am, sir. yeah, so, sorry. And, um, but no, what was I saying? Um, you think yeah, kind of progressive new no, fundamentals, but, Facebook, and but the, yeah, my Facebook, Facebook, yeah, you know, there was a lot of people who were progressive because I said I put up a quote from Sean Lennon saying that all conservatives aren't Nazis and all liberals, and he used, I think, aren't libtards, which is very unpolitically correct to say, right, but those course. are what he said. And the liberals came after me for it. And a lot of it had nothing. You know, a couple of people had the libtard thing was a problem for them. But a lot of it had to do with, no, all conservatives are this way or this is, you know, and, and how in and, and that black and white dualistic thinking. Mm. And I shut my Facebook down. I, I mean, I, I just was done. I mean, I have that mm-hmm. it was the most number of people I have on social media was on my Facebook. I make a living online right now. And in the midst of all this. I just shut it down. I was done. You know, I yeah. was done because they were so hurtful. They were so mean. They were so cruel that in some ways they made evangelicals look kinder and gentler. And so I'm really, really worried. I'm really worried. Mm. I don't call myself, I cannot in good conscience call myself a progressive anymore. You know, mm. um, and I'm a lifelong liberal. I very open, all my stuff's left leaning. I've done, you know, a few years ago, most of my work was just based on LGBTQ rights and equality in the church. Um, always trying to get people to think, but I think this whole dualistic thinking is just completely dangerous. Um, the other day I was on, it, on Twitter and saw somebody said that some of the progressive churches are starting to, they, they said that one of the churches they were at started complaining about all the ex evangelicals that were showing up. And then they mm. kept talking about ex evangelicalism. And when you're in a church and someone's got the wrong kind of wounds, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're like a hospital that says, oh, no, we don't do knife wounds. We only do gun wounds. So you're going to have to go down the street to get the knife wound taken care of. You know, it, it, the ju- the church isn't supposed to be a courtroom. You know, I mean, the church is in, biblically at least supposed to be seen as more of a hospital than a, than a courtroom. Mm. And so for me, I'm really worried about it. You know, I, I don't talk that I try not to talk that much about it. 
in yeah, on Sundays because I don't want to alienate all my progressive friends. Yeah, but I am I am worried about it, and um, and I also think that's another reason why I keep pushing this arguing well, arguing yeah. well. And I think with with even maybe why I push back on you a little bit too with some of those little things is like, you know, you're drawing in maybe drawing in the progressives to continue that that same mind thought. Well, now I'm progressive and I'm going to deconstruct everything, and these people are bad. And I don't want I don't want no 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 no. Don't no mm. don't don't trade this one certainty for the other certainty. Don't trade one legalism for another type of legalism. What you want to like, if you want to really deconstruct and, and reform anything in your life, you want to get rid of that legalism. Like get rid mm-hmm. of that because that legalism is going to destroy your life. You yeah. know, and if you want people to be happy, you know, getting rid of legalism on either side is the I would say is the first thing to do is yeah. let that shit go because it will it will. It will destroy you and alienate you. And it won't only destroy you, it'll destroy potential friendships, family relationships. I mean, between me and my dad, my dad is very conservative. And I don't believe in scapegoating. I don't, you know, and all this. And we're, our conversations are still very difficult. Mm. You know, like I'm like, dad, I don't think all Republicans are bad. I don't think all this, blah, blah, blah. But we still have tough conversations. It's still not easy. So I couldn't imagine if it was like, well, you're a Nazi. You know, you're like a Nazi. <laughs> and I'm going to write you off. You know I mean? Like yeah. we'd have you know, what that would be like, it would be a living nightmare, you know, but I don't have the luxury of doing that because also I might be the only critical thinker that my dad has in his ear right now, you know? Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Well, he doesn't have as much of a choice for you. He has to have a conversation with you, right? (laughs) I mean, he doesn't have to, he could completely cut you off or whatever and you could cut him off. But uh, yeah, yeah. I'm intrigued. So in observing this kind of transition, um, I've made some observations and they may or may not be right. And, and, and I, I, I would be intrigued because you clearly think a lot about this. You spend a lot of time studying, trying to engage in this way. You've got a yeah. lot of very smart friends, you know, people like Pete Rollins. I need to have Pete Rollins on here. I keep, keep forgetting yeah, to ask. To. I'm like, I have to have him on. I love Pete Rollins. Yeah, uh, if people are listening to this and they aren't following Pete Rollins and reading his stuff, you have to do it. It's, he's just incredible. I guess something I have observed is, that it feels like, because I'm very much about finding this third path, this third way. You know, it's not your left, it's not right. Maybe we could find somewhere in the middle. It's not black, it's not white. Could we maybe explore some of this gray? Um, it feels like a lot of people, after they have been black and they need to um, find some gray, they can't do it until they swing to the white. It feels like there's almost this need of, in the dualism, they have to have a fundamental swing to the other side to yeah. realize its futility. Do, do you think there's a truth to that on some level that, um, you know, some, some conservatives, Christians have to go into progressive Christianity as they kind of let deconstruct their conservatism and they realize, well, maybe it's not about, you know, whatever it is that the conservative branch is pushing maybe it's this progressive thing and then it's only in finding and pushing that to its end that they go oh it wasn't this either i I don't know i I sometimes wonder because i just find myself trying to reach people with a third way who have come out of one way and not really overly gone into the second way yet often just falls flat on its face people aren't able to engage with that kind of thinking it feels um no i mean maybe i'm not very good at at convincing people i don't know but, uh, yeah no but i would say the, ma- the majority do that you know mm. um I'd say i know i did st- i know a lot of them just stick once they get yeah. to the progressive church they just stick there yeah because the 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 scapegoating is not as doesn't seem as hateful i think mm-hmm. um and it's and honestly 
Probably not. To be honest in a lot of ways, in, at least it's a, a little bit more inclusive, but you know, yeah. there's less people being excluded. But <laughs> you know, <laughs> and 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 um, you know, and everybody's different. Every church is different, right? But you no, know, I mean, I think I think a lot more people from the right are going to come into the whole like I want to deconstruct, and part of the deconstruction is going through that progressive church. Um, you know, but some of them just leave it and, and don't come back. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't know. I mean, for me, it was the same way. You know, I, I was like, mm. forget the conservative church. And then I went into more of the, the emergent church, which seemed to have uh, be this strange, I don't want to say it was great because there was things where we were like, well, we don't have to have answers and there's probably no hell. There's, you know what I mean? Like we right. were very out there, but for some reason we weren't enough, like, we didn't seem inclusive enough, but everybody was, mm. was, was assigning us. Like if like Brian McLaren sold the most books, so he must be the leader of the emergent church. The fact is there was no leader. You know, if they right. were, if we would have existed another year, then Nadia Bolt Weber would have been the leader of the, cause she sold the most books. You know what right. I mean? It was just, it wasn't there. Well, there's not Everyone a wants a figurehead of whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, or there wasn't enough diversity in the emergent church, but I was like, well, you know, people don't realize is in the African-American church, a lot of them have gone and asked these questions and already done this. You know what I mean? We're, we're you know, it just wasn't, there wasn't, you know, it's yeah. more like this, this freedom, uh, not freedom theology. What's the word I'm looking for? Liberation. Um, yeah. Liberation theology. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of, of the black church has deconstructed and remained as the church and or at least deconstructed a lot of their theology has been deconstructed. And, and a lot of these to- white white churches that these folks these guys are coming out are mainline or evangelical and that's Mm. you know so we were all kind of rebelling against this really mostly white church system that wouldn't allow us to ask these questions right so i don't think i ever went completely to the progressive church um but yeah so but but it is interesting but i did have to go to something that was not Mm. what i had been to before and I yeah. think the third way is like, what is the, the third way? Um, I was, I did a podcast earlier today and we were talking about the film Star Wars and I talked about Luke Skywalker and how, you know, he's got the Jedi saying, you've got to kill Darth Vader, you know, not telling him that it's his father. <laughs> he has to find that out from Darth Vader. Probably a good call um, though, if they want to kill him. <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, this is my father. I can't kill my father. And then like, well, then we lose if you don't kill him, you know, and, and he goes and he meets him and he fights him. But at the end, you know, one of one of the scenes that always was really powerful to me is, is right before he talks to Darth Vader, his dad, he's dragging him through the Death Star. This huge machine he's dragging, you know, and he's a, you know, it's Mark Hamill. He's not a big guy. And, and he's dragging him to save him. Like he's going to be like, screw, I don't care what the Jedi told me. I'm going to save him, you know, and I'm not going to join the dark side either. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring my dad and he, we're going to work together and this is going to be great. You know? And to me, I was like, well, maybe that's the third way, you know, to the point where, and then I was talking about the sequels. Like, I'm like, I couldn't even bring Darth Vader. Cause then Darth Vader is like, you've saved me, son. You've, you, you've done this, you know? And then the idea that Darth Vader gets grace is completely unfair. doesn't make any sense. Mm. Um, and that's what to me, real grace is. And then, you know, so, so in a way, it's almost like Luke Skywalker in this journey takes the third way. And, and I thought it was interesting is that they they didn't really know what to do with these in the sequels. They didn't know what to do with mm. this gray. So they just make Mark Hamill, they make Luke Skywalker kind of this bitter guy. And we're just going to show Darth Vader's helmet because we don't know what to do with this guy who got completely like 
okayed. We're not going to even show his ghost. We're not going to do that. You know, like even like just George Lucas didn't know what to do with it. So he sold it, you know, and then uh, the financial juggernaut, you know, Disney uh, um, doesn't know what, you know, to do with it. And so I think there's a third way. And I know using Star Wars is an odd, odd sense, but you know, when you're getting messages from both sides that no, you have to do it this way. No, you have to do it this way. And then you go, no, I'm going to do it this way. Mm -hmm. Um, because there's something I feel, you know, he kept saying like, I feel good in it. It's like, who cares if you feel good in me? Kaled like 20 kids at the Jedi council. You can't do it. You know, he does it anyway. And so I think there's a third way, but I think the third way is extremely difficult. Yeah. And maybe you do end up a hermit on an Island somewhere that, you know, doesn't care about the force anymore. But the point is, is, you know, it, 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 there is a, I believe there's a third way. I think Peter Rollins is doing a third way. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of, philosophers doing that and they are lucky because they have philosophy and i think philosophy is can be almost impenetrable yeah and so when you and it's been really tough for me but reading people who know about philosophy and having it has really helped me a lot to live want to live life well and live in this way where my dad is important to me you know martin luther king is important to me Women's rights are important to me. LGBTQ people are important to me, but it's also important to me that you don't write off every conservative because I know a few that will give you the shirt off their back, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like maybe that's how I got to the, th- uh, th- I don't know if I'm, what I'm doing is a third way. I know it's not way A or B and I don't know if it's yeah. even C to be honest with you, but um, mm. I think it's possible. I hope you don't have to go through both. I hope that maybe like, conversations we're having right now is we're saying legalism here legalism here okay the church has got to get rid of legalism first before we can even have a conversation because that legalism is me going like no you're going to hell no you're going to hell or well there is no hell you know and it's saying we have to take down these these legalistic walls before we can even have a conversation so maybe that's the hope is, is 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 that that really that's the intolerance of humanity the othering of humanity the 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 dualistic thinking is something that really needs to be to be taken down. And maybe if you've gone through both of those, you see that, you know, and you realize that dualistic thinking doesn't make sense. But it's really tough right now for me to make a mm-hmm. living not having like because if I tweeted about Trump not liking Trump and Trump being an asshole and conservatives, I could get a thousand likes, you know. Oh, yeah. But I can't do it, you know. So instead I get like, oh, here's my sermon, two likes. You know what I mean? It's like Right. You know, what are you going to do? It's just, it, 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 it it's, but it, I think you have to be focused on, on a longer game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you have to be focused on the, on the long game and, and, and what is the future going to hold and how do we affect the future and be better human beings? Because yeah. it doesn't work in politics. It doesn't work in religion. You know, all it does is continue to destroy one another. And yeah. uh, promise some sort of happiness if you get rid of this group or you get rid of this group. And that's, you know, that's basically capitalism. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, saying you'll be happy if you only had this or if you didn't have that. And it, the, 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 the lack is always going to be there. And that, yeah. that, that object, the object of desire will never bring, will never bring you completeness um, where that object is getting rid of people or adding something to it. So, I mean, we have to learn to live life knowing that there's that that lack is just going to be part of our lives does that make sense 
Big time, really does. It makes me think of, um, I, I've only just in the last couple of weeks discovered that on Instagram, you can find out some insights about your, your following and your audience. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, cool. Fascinating. Like 58% of my following are women or, you know, things like that. It's just like, huh, yeah, yeah. That. Um, but one of the insights I, you can break it down over the last 30 week or 30 days, how many people liked you, unliked you and I what the net change was. So like, there's obviously like, oh, you got 50 new people today. And I'm like, whoa. And it's like, but you actually got 20 new people because 30 people <laughs> left, right? And you're like, yeah. what did I say? And you can see these like spikes and up and down, but like you see the huge spikes in the difference. So when it's like the difference shrinks down to like, you know, like you actually grew by zero, but you gained 60 people <laughs> in one day and you're like, oh, um, but what's fascinating is I was looking at it. I was like, oh, there's a pattern. It literally spikes on the same day each week. And it's on Fridays. It's the days that I do my Q&A on Instagram. Hilarious. And it's the day where I like, so basically my, my strategy really on, on just how I structure my week is I post funny memes and, and little quotes here and there throughout the week, mostly trying to like, you know, that's what gets shared. That's what people see. They come and join yep. my page and check me out. Um, and then I post a couple of podcasts or YouTubes, but maybe like 10% of people watch that or listen. I'm sure right, it's right, not right. even that probably. Um, and then on Wednesday, I do a Q&A and I, I answer 30, 40, 50. I mean, if people have looked at my stories, there's a lot of them, right? I mean, I just answer yeah, everything yeah. and there is a lot you of do. questions. It's insane. It's pretty great. But my questions are never, ever giving clear answers. They're just uh, My answers are just terrible. Uh, they're just so wishy-washy. They're gray. Yeah. They're uncertain because I know a lot of people are looking for that certainty and I won't give it to them. I won't, I won't feed that black and white dualism. I want to offer this third perspective, but just it like is Jesus. the day, but it is the day that everyone leaves and not everyone. Of yeah. course, actually I'm seeing incredible growth and it's amazing. And I'm really, I'm just really blown away by that. It's really awesome. But it's the day where, the growth dips each week. Um, and I'm like, that's, that's those fundamentals that go, God, that meme's funny. Look at him, um, you know, ruining that conservative or that, that, yeah, that yeah, yeah. whatever, you know, they, they've bought into that. And, and even if when I didn't plan to, I didn't plan it to be read that way, it got read that way or whatever. They were like, yes, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. good. But when I started to sit down and go, Hey, there are no good and bad guys. And there's actually not necessarily even good and bad systems sometimes. It's just different systems for different seasons and different people at different stages. People are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't you take my enemy from me. Don't you take the, the second way. I agree the first way is wrong, but don't you tell me that the second way is going to fail me too. Like that's, I mean, you we don't want to hear it. You've, you've taken answers away from me before. You don't know that, but like things that I had as answers. And then I read something you said and I'm like, damn it. You're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's but funny. The first That's feeling, funny. But, the, but the first moment I was like, it's, it's natural, right? Because we want you know? yeah. we, we to feel safe and we want to feel like we have meaning and we have managed to structure a bit of life and go, okay, yeah. cool. I know what way is up and I know what way is down. And we need those dualisms, right? I need to know if I jump yeah. out the window, I'll go down and I probably shouldn't. And I need to know yeah, if yeah. I... I don't know, stand up. My feet will be there. If I sit in this chair, this chair will hold me. I'm like, these are all dualisms. You know, they're rooted in these kind of very legal, like laws of nature, you know, yeah, um, yeah. that makes us feel safe. We need some of that. Um, but it is, it's, it's amazing that the, the provoking it does in us and I do it. it some yeah. of these, what you don't see, right. Is some of these answers I've typed out two answers and then gone, no, it's too dualistic. Oh, that's just, <laughs> yeah. and, or, or like, or, Oh, Phil, that's your opinion. And, you're probably right, but I don't give that. 
at least if you do present it, present some other options as well to make it less <laughs> black and white. Um, and so I, I'm constantly seeing that in myself. And, and I think it is why I'm, I'm always wondering, do we need to flip-flop a bit before we kind of settle in the middle? Do we need to have a pendulum swing that slowly yeah. settles somewhere in the middle bit by bit as it swings less and less and less over time? I don't know. I really don't. And but I it don't, but feels I don't that, like I don't think some of us do. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a, 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 wrong, a wrong or right answer to that. I don't think there's a dualistic mm. answer to the need for dualism yeah. uh, for that situation. Um, it's funny, like I've saved... When a Twitter, like uh, I used to be a Twitter warrior, and sometimes I'll I'll fall back into that, and I'll just, you know, it's canceled, and I ask you if you want to save it. So I was you like, want to discard this? No, I'll post that later. <laughs> yeah, so maybe I'll post it later, and then I go back and read it. And I'm like, holy crap, you know, one, this is the worst place I could say that because it's going to be completely <laughs> misconstrued, you know. And sometimes they become sermons, but they only can be sermons because they need to be 20 minutes or 30 minutes, right. you know. You need to add all um, the nuance into it. Right. So it's, it's, it is really interesting how, how that works. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and you come up with the perfect response or like I have five different responses. Then I cut it down, cut it down, redo it, redo it, redo it, send it to somebody. What do you think about this? And then I put it up, you know, Um, you know, I guess that's being obsessive compulsive sometimes about a tweet, (laughs) but. Well, it's probably a safe way to tweet. That's for sure. I don't use Twitter for the reason that Safer I'm just tweeting. way too like I I get riled up too soon and it is much it's a much faster pace than like all the other social platforms. Oh. I'm just well, like I mean, don't I was go on there, Insta- Phil. I was on Instagram the other night and I was writing re- writing a comment to this guy who's doing this thing uh, from guy from Skillet and he's like make preachers uncool again. And I read his thing and I was like oh I had this huge critique and I'm right type writing it out and typing it out and put it up for about 10 minutes and I go back and I'm like, Oh God, I got to go back. Delete. You know what I mean? It was like, just one of those things like, this isn't my war anymore. You know, this isn't right. my, this isn't, yeah. this isn't even my world, you know? And, and I just don't need to, this isn't where I need to have my two cents delivered, you know? Yep. Um, or at least not this way. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny though. Yeah. Do you watch those fall? You oh, I got mm-hmm. 50 new followers, but I had 150 people leave. Like, am I boring them? <laughs> Do I need more excitement? Like whenever so I talk funny. about like my depression or like my attempted suicide or something like that, it's like 500 likes, you know what I mean? But I'm like, mm. hey, I just did this awesome talk. It's like eight likes, you know, you're like, damn it. I got to talk more about yeah. the dark, depressing stuff. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to have more depression to talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so funny, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, true, isn't it? Is. It's amazing how the things that we sometimes are most passionate about as well, they, they it's just not where like I, I look at my Facebook audience. It's not where they're at anymore. So I automatically, I live on Instagram and my Instagram gets posted automatically to Facebook, but I don't even oh, go on there yeah, and look right. really. I look about maybe every three or four days, but that audience is much older as well. And so they were tracking with me when I was a lot more fundamental. I was like, I was one of the grace guys, like whatever that meant. Um, yeah. But it was still a very fundamental approach in a lot of ways that that grace movement, it was like, it was fighting legalism. It was, you know, it was pointing out all yeah. the flaws in you know, Christianity and how you should really do Christianity, right? It's still very fundamental. We finally got the right way to do it or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so they do not like a lot of the deconstruction stuff, some of them. And so it's that thing of like, you're, you're realizing, um, as I, as I go back to my Facebook, I'm just like, oh, these just aren't my people anymore. And actually that's probably upsetting them. I'm going to post the next week and just say, look, this is where I'm at now. Like, this is what I'm about. These are the people I'm working with. 
there's great value in working with those people. If you're not those people, I really recommend you you walk away. This is going to cause you stress, strain, get you upset. Um, and I think there's just real value in realizing, oh, this is where my audience is. And you know what? It might be the 50 people that wanted to listen to the depression talk and not the 150 that wanted to listen, or not the 10 people that yeah, wanted to listen yeah. to this talk. And it's like, but that's okay. I, I'm okay with that. Like, you know, there's other people can talk to them about this. It's right back at the beginning, what you were saying, you know, it's like people come to your church and like, ah, not for me or whatever. And you're like, great. What is for you? Yeah. Let's find out what's for you. And, and like, that's a beautiful way to live. That's a beautiful, what a, what a burden to take off your own shoulders to try and please it everyone. Is. Like, well, which it, is it, the burden of most pastors. And I found that honestly, I'll, I mean, something I don't talk a lot about, but I mean, I really do believe people pleasing is probably what destroyed both of my marriages. Mm. And, uh, I don't really talk about that at all. It's very, very raw and very painful. Um, but I think people pleasing is horrifically dangerous Mm. and it destroys, it really can, it can destroy families. It can destroy people you care about and it destroys the person who's doing it. And it, and it's comes out of such a genuine spirit to want to please, to really please people, to make them happy and feel good. Um, but it's just, it's horrifically toxic. And so I always encourage people is, is, is now as much as I can is don't, don't get into that trying to be mm-hmm. a people pleaser thing. Um, don't, you know, l- learn to say no uh, as hard as it is. It is hard. I, I know it is hard, but learn to say no, learn to have boundaries and uh, learn to be who you really are. And I think that's, what's important mm-hmm. with this about deconstruction is you are learning who you are and what you believe and what you think and having the freedom to be comfortable in that. Is pretty awesome. And then when you don't want to yeah. be a people pleaser, you're able to say, well, I, I don't really believe that. And it might make some people angry. And you're like, that's okay. And it's also knowing like, I can't go on a fundamentalist Instagram and make a comment because that's not my world anymore. Now, mm. a fundamentalist might come after me and yell at me. And then I'll find six months down the line that they love me because something got through to them through that. I've seen that happen many, millions of times, sure, yeah. of times but at least a hundred times in my own work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so you never know what's going to happen and, and what's, you know, how people are going to react. But, uh, yeah. but, but people pleading is, it, I, I don't even think I'm at a point where I can articulate it well because it's, it's still kind of a, of just a few years fresh of getting out of that. And I had to go through a lot of therapy to get mm. out of that place yeah. where I had to get into a really special place to learn that it was okay for people to be mad at me and to be upset with me. And that that didn't change that didn't change anything really. It didn't change who I was, didn't change who they were. Um, but for some reason, I made that a huge burden in my life. Yeah. And uh, that's just not where you want to be. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and, and then when you start to enter into that, you, do, you will lose people that are close to you still. Mm-hmm. Because there are people who like the people pleasing you. And uh, they'll, you'll realize that there's some people who respect you but don't like you anymore, you know, but they have no respect <laughs> for you. And then there's some people who just don't want to be your friend anymore because they mm-hmm. liked the idea that you, you did everything you could to right. make them happy, you know? Yeah. So they're yeah, teachers a, in the lesson, I guess, it. you know, yeah. they're, they're our first it's, teachers. It's really but, uh, nasty and really, really yeah. painful. Yeah. No, it's I mean, kind of, yeah. working through any of our kind of major kind of, I mean, 
these are dysfunctions. These are, these are broken parts of us, right? It's, it's, it's basically the kid in me that, that wants mom to pay me enough attention or, yeah. you know, for my dad to go, son, you're amazing. Wow. And he yeah. just didn't do it as much. And so now as an adult, I'm looking for that. You're amazing. Wow. Or whatever. Right. And so how do I yeah. get it? Oh, I could run you to the shop and get your groceries with you. Or, oh, I could post another four times today. I know you like that post <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Um, it, it can be the most silly things. Um, but yeah. one of the things I found about people pleasing, because this is a big thing I had to deal with and I still deal with. There's no way I'm beyond this one. Um, is I'm pleasing the idea I have in my head of what people want as well. Because yes. like, the amount of times I'm talking to Till and like, I'm getting stressed. We're, we're about to go out and I'm like, well, today's a podcast day. I haven't edited this podcast. I need to upload it. I need to get it done. I need to, you know, you know, then do the video. I need to get out. It's going to be at least two hours and we're, we only have an hour and I'm getting stressed. And she's like, Phil, she's like, how many people listen to your podcast? I'm like, I don't know, like a thousand people, probably not many, right? I mean, I, I don't know if that's right. a lot or not much, but it's probably about a thousand. It could be 10, it could be five. I don't know. Um, <laughs> could be one person. I don't know. Um, but who, who cares really? It's just a bunch of people. And she's like, will they listen to it tomorrow if it comes out? Do, like, why are they listening? Are they listening because it comes out on a Monday? And I'm like, no. Will they be disappointed? I'm like, well, maybe some of them are literally waiting. Maybe like, three people were going, oh, it's right. I can't wait for Phil to drop his podcast. I don't think I know many people that will be like right. that. Most of them are just like going, oh, oh, Phil's got a podcast. Cool. I'll check it out. Like, and she's like, so who are you pleasing here? And I'm like, I'm pleasing this imaginary group of people that I have somehow built in my head are sitting there ready to angry message me. Where the fuck's the podcast? You bastard. Right, you ruined right. my life. No one's ever sent me that message. Even when I have not posted, I dropped to like one a week from two a week for the entire month of August. No one cared, right? People were like, oh, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. It gave me a break. I could catch up on the other ones I hadn't got. Or, you know, like, and I'm like, oh, I have this whole imagination that I'm trying to please. This imaginary world with imaginary people, even the people yes. I know, you know, like even right now, I'm talking to Jay Baker. You're an imaginary person right now because I'm getting yeah. to know you more and I'm building more of a story about the person in front of me but I'm still interacting with the story of the person on some right, level. Right, right. We all and you're are. doing the yeah, same, definitely. right? Yes, um, yes. And so I'm trying to please this imaginary person, but I actually don't really know much about you, Jay. I wouldn't know what to get you for Christmas. I wouldn't know right. when, what day to release my podcast if you were going to listen to it. You know, I don't know these things, but somehow I'll make some sort of story that I cripple myself with. Right, right. right. Um, and it's, it's brutal. And we do it with even the closest people to us, right? I mean, I've, I've been divorced and I would say a, a part of that was probably very people-pleasing, maybe even trying to please people that weren't my wife, um, caused me to, the people closest to me to then turn away. Um, but then other times I'm trying to please my wife, but I don't really know how to please her because I'm, I'm not right. really and connecting. You're like, you're, and you're like, I've got to please this person. I've got to please this person and I've got to please her. What? Oh no, now what do I do? I've got three people I have to please. I don't know how to please everyone. <laughs> Yeah, like how do I manipulate this? You know what I mean? It, it really is for me. It's very similar to how I learned to deal with my dyslexia in school. Mm. You know, you learn all these tricks to be avoid reading or avoid doing this or avoid doing that. People pleasing became the same thing as like, oh, I learned how to avoid this conversation and I learned how to avoid to stop doing this or how to talk to this person. You know, and what I did is I just became a life of compensation rather than a mm. life of living. You know, wow. so I had to let go of those things. Yeah. And just say, Gosh. this is who I am. You know, I'm sorry if I have to let you down, you know, and, uh, and, and realizing that people, people aren't angry forever, you know? So, yeah. yeah. 
And most of us get it. Most of us do yeah. this, right? The amount of times I've realized, I remember when I used to travel, um, when I first started traveling and going to these churches, I would stay in the pastor's homes or someone's home from the, the church and you'd eat meals with the family. And then you'd like, you know, you'd go to the service and you'd come back and it'd be 11 o'clock at night. And yet you're having to, um, you know, talk to the get host home. You get home at 11 and they want to talk to you for two hours and it's one o'clock in the morning and you're like, oh, I'm going to go to bed. But then you're getting up at eight in the morning for the next service and you're like, I'm going to kill myself. And I did that probably for about a year and a half before I started having conversations with the host homes and saying, look, I would love to connect with you. Um, like I'm really keen to spend time with you, but I really need my sleep. I really need my me time. I know this is a really yep. special event for you because I, I, there's just one guest speaker coming and staying in your house a year. But actually, I, I stay in people's homes like 200 nights of the year and have these conversations yeah. every night. And, and it's really exhausting. So could we make sure we maybe make some time tomorrow, maybe after breakfast, before the service, we'll go get coffee and we'll hang out. That'd be really great. But I'm just going to head to bed straight after the service. Not one person has ever been upset by that. Everyone right. has gone, whoa, yeah, of course. I've never thought about it like that. Of course. Yeah, quick, go to bed. And and not only that, they the next time I show up, they're like, hosts to the next level they're like how can we we want to protect you this pastor said he wanted to spend time with me. we said over our dead bodies will he be spending time you know like and i'm like oh wow yeah right. they got it but most of us are are human right if, if you can actually yeah. connect with people on that level the, the people pleasing suddenly becomes this thing that actually people aren't even needing they've just come to expect because we were willing to kill exactly. ourselves over it um, but if and they, they saw the cost, it for your personality they would be like yeah. oh okay yeah it's, yeah, it's say, crazy isn't it, it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's amazing how my, my therapist used to just be like, stop it. You've got us to stop. I'm like, well, <laughs> well, what about that? No, no, no. She's like, you've just got to stop. Like, this is not even a discussion anymore. You know, what has it done to you? You've got to stop, you know, and I just had to stop. And it was that simple. But how, what a great moment of humanity. Like she went to college all these years to tell me, you know, in university to tell me to stop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, that's just, it. Just cut it out. You know, I mean, that's so, so funny. It's, it's, it is humans do. I mean, they do understand. I, I've had similar things with contracts and things like that that I've had to do over the years, because um, it's it's easy to burn out on the road, man. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't get to talk as much as I used to, um, mm. but I miss it. Yeah, I, I miss being on the roads. I miss traveling. I mean, when you're doing conferences and churches, it's just easy to keep going and have an endless supply. But when you're speaking to smaller groups and people that are basically sitting on their own at home anyway, they don't have community anymore. Never mind. Like, they would kill for a community. Never mind. Times you used yeah. to it. Um, right. So I do occasion. I travel like maybe four or five times a year, maybe a bit more locally. But like, I miss being on the roads. I, I, but I yeah. tell you what, I'm glad I'm not because I have a thriving community here and I would miss that. And like my wife would probably really miss that. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Or she wouldn't be able to work at all. Or, you know, if she came with me or and it's just, you just ebb and flow, right? You find the new groove, the new season, what works, what doesn't do. work. But yeah, dude, this has been a really great conversation. I've yeah, really, I really enjoyed enjoy it. it. I, I really appreciate your your vulnerability, your openness, your wisdom, your pushback. I love it all. Like I think you're just one of the the greatest um, people. Like you just well, are so loving, well, so just, kind, I, so smart. I, yeah, and I I mean I just realized like the only reason I you know I mean here's my people pleaser coming at me. The only reason I really pushed back, but no, I mean it's because I just I know what you, you're you're dealing with constantly, you know, mm. and going through. And and I was like, well, he's obviously somebody who's who's going to handle this right now probably because he's probably has to just, and when you're going through deconstruction it's just yep. basically i knew you could handle pushback so that's why <laughs> i welcome it i really do the, the, uh, it's funny i was just had a talk with joe lumen are you familiar with joe lumen 
She has wow. some amazing stuff on race on Instagram. She's one of my favorite Instagram accounts, but she is not for the faint of heart. Um, okay. She is intense, like really yeah. intense and in calling out the church on race and talking about race and nice. how it operates within the system of church. Um, she, she is part of the do better church movement, which is a really great oh, movement yeah, I've as heard well. Of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but anyway, I was talking with her and I was, ta- I was explaining to her this whole thing of like, I love when people like send me a message and say, Hey, dude, that, that tweet you said or that, well, that Instagram you said, I found it a bit ableist. I'm disabled. And actually the way you phrased it was actually quite offensive and it hurt me. I love it, but it yeah. hits you, right? It's, you feel your heart just God. hits your stomach. It just sinks. Yeah. Um, and it's that, that weird thing of like, I hate it. I feel the shame rises up or whatever it is. Right. And, and it could be, I, I cause I was, the reason I was saying to her is like, I can't wait for the day you do a, a post calling out me and just saying, Hey, this is not how you do it. And this is not the way. And this is how yeah. I'd recommend it. She just such, she's always just very generous in her approach and, and asking, Hey, why did you do it that way? Can you see that this would be hurtful to some people? And people just aren't able to have that conversation a lot of the time. And I'm like, I want to have that conversation, but I do not want to have that conversation, right? You know, you're like, I don't want to be called out, but I love being, and and I think that's, that's maybe, if that's maybe like me stepping 50% towards where I want to be, but, um, but I think, yeah, I, I really appreciate people like you because you are doing the call. You're being brave. And, and I think the, the cost is high for someone like you as well, because like you said, you have a lot of people that are still maybe seeing world, the world in a little bit of a dualistic sense. And yep. that, that's costs. It costs, it costs me to, to speak out against that uh, a bit. And I don't do it nearly as much, uh, as I'd like to at least. Um, so I really appreciate what you're doing. I really do. Well, thanks, so, Tell people, how can they connect with what you're doing? How can people track with Jay Baker? Uh, they Instagram can go to Revolution. Like a big one, right? Yeah, Instagram, Jay Baker, J-A-Y-B-A-K-K-E-R. I've got two Ks in my name. Um, yep. Revolutionchurch.com. Um, Revolution Church on uh, Facebook. Revolution Church 1994, I believe it is, on Twitter. And um, Revolution Church MN is what it is still on Instagram because we haven't, we're trying to, there's a Revolution Church that hasn't posted in like four years on Instagram. And we're trying to contact them to see if we can get the Instagram handle. So we could just be Revolution Church, which would be really awesome. But we don't know if that's going to happen yet. So, um, but yeah, we're, Instagram is a big one. That's where I spend a lot of my time. um, Sure. And we'll connect people to the work and the church and books and, you know. And they'll see pictures of me doing dumb stuff every now and then as well. So, yeah. And your Revolution yeah. Church, like that's all online, right? Are you planning on doing yes. anything up in Seattle at some point? Like, kind of, yeah, trying to connect gonna, people gonna, and gather people. Yes, we are going to look. We are going to try to find a bar with some sort of theater in it where we can meet, and because um, nice. that's what we did in New York, and that's what we did in Minnesota. So, uh, and that's actually what we did in Atlanta as well. So yeah, we're hoping to find a community place to really set up a community and hopefully downtown Seattle Sweet. somewhere. Yeah. There's a lot of cool places downtown Seattle. So I'm sure you'll have no problem finding somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So hopefully we'll, you know, by February, we'll be able to get out again and, and see what's going on. Sweet. Let me know when you do, cause I'll definitely uh, let people know to check it out. Okay. For sure. We'll do. But yeah, I'll, I'll let you know when this goes live. I'll give you a, a bit of a heads up. Um, but it'll probably be a, just, I think it's going to be the week before Christmas. That's, you're basically going to be my last one. I think, I think you're episode 99 right before my special 100th episode, which I don't know. Nice. Nice. But yeah, the 18th is I'll be 45. So that'll be interesting. Oh, wow. Birthday present for you then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah the I think it'll, be, it'll be the 17th. It'll be, it'll probably be the Thursday. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. Cool. Um, 
But uh, yeah, dude, this was amazing. I really do. I, I so love and appreciate you. And I, I really appreciate okay. you taking the time to chat so long. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. You appreciate your work, man. Keep it up. All right. Love you, man. Catch you later. Love you. All right. Bye-bye. Peace. All right. So that was Jay Baker. I'd encourage you to check out Jay online. Um, uh, I follow him on Instagram. He posts lots of fascinating stuff over there. It's just Jay Baker. Um, check out revolutionchurch.com. Um, you can find Revolution Church on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just head over to their website and you'll find all the links there. Um, I'll put some links in the show notes below for you to check out as well. Um, yeah, connect with Jay. Let him know that you love this talk. He, I know he chats to people on um, DMs and stuff, so shoot him a message and let him know that you, you enjoyed this conversation. If you've got questions, shoot him a question. Um, if you've got questions for me, I'm always happy to, to field your questions and to, to chat with you and help you on your journey and process. And so please always feel free to connect with me, Phil Drysdale. Head over to the deconstructionnetwork.com if you want to try and um, connect with other people locally. That's a great free resource for that. Um, and if you want to help me continue to put out great free resources and, and develop different sites like the Deconstruction Network and put out uh, these podcasts twice a week and all that different stuff, um, you can support me, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, over on Patreon. It's just Phil Drysdale or on my website, phildrysdale.com slash partner. And as a thank you again, you get access to a discussion group. We have all sorts of fascinating conversations um, throughout the week and a monthly Zoom call and a few other perks as well if you give it a higher uh, bracket. There's not much I can offer people when I do everything for free, but there's a, a few perks here and there. All right, that's enough for me. I love every one of you. I appreciate every one of you. I'm so proud of every one of you. What you're going through in deconstructing is hard work. It is brave work. It is really, really um, draining work. It takes its toll emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Um, you're doing amazing. Honestly, I'm so proud of every single one of you. Um, and I really want you to know that you should be proud of yourself. Um, you should keep listening to your body. Take your time. This isn't a race. There isn't a destination to rush to. It's all about the journey of working it out as you go and, and just growing as you go. Um, and so listen to your body. Take it at your own pace. Don't rush this. You're doing great. I'm really proud of you. Hang in there. Um, and as always, I'm here to chat. Just find me at Instagram. I'm Phil Drysdale. Love you all. I'll catch you for the next podcast, episode 100. Big, big special one coming out, a real surprise. And so keep an eye out. It'll come out sometime between Christmas and uh, New Year. And so, yeah, love you guys. Bye.